I don't want refurbished. It didn't say refurbished on the on the website. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, September twenty second, two thousand eleven. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination episode three four one. This is no agenda. Top the hilltop watchtower crackpot command center in the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay, in the morning, I'm the Muffin Man. I'm Adam Curry, everybody. And from northern Silicon Valley, the fog's rolling in, and so is the fog of knowledge. I'm John C. Dvorak. <laughs> it's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. The fog of knowledge. That's our show right there. We are the fog of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, John, let me start it right off with some media assassination. Take it. Okay. So, people, this is how it works. This is what our show is all about. It's beautiful. It came in just this morning as I was watching C-SPANs, because that's what we do, so you don't have to. You probably already saw the news. You probably already heard about it. This is, without a doubt, uh, the, uh, where is it here? So whenever they don't want you to pay attention to what's really going on, they come out with something really awesome that just coincidentally released, coincidentally released the news that muffins at the Department of Justice cost $16. And the news, yes. yes, it's being propagated now on the floor of our House of Representatives. <laughs> Here, it's be propagated everywhere. I do have a clip you might uh, want to play. Well, no, I, I summarizes. Got, well, let me play you my clip, which I just got from C-SPAN. What, do you want me to play the uh, your summary clip? I think my clip will probably be better because it's produced. Oh, Washington Watch. Our Washington watchdog is on the case tonight. In the good production. <laughs> well, I didn't say I produced it. Oh, okay. These tough economic times for America. A new audit of the Justice Department turned up sixteen dollar muffins $16. paid for by taxpayers, and the muffins are just a beginning. Here's muffins. ABC's John Carl. Yes, it's true. The Justice Department has found a way to spend sixteen bucks for a single muffin, ten bucks on a cookie, and eight dollars and twenty-four cents on a cup of coffee. All part of the one hundred and twenty-one million dollars this one government department spent on conferences in just twenty-four months. Sixteen-dollar muffins? Really? Right. right. I mean, was Washington get it? It's uh, that's insane, and I think that's um, again that is why people across this country are so frustrated. Nobody can tell us how an ordinary muffin like this could cost $16. But this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the ways Washington wastes your money. Just look at Herman the Hermit Crab or Rex the Mountain Lion. The Department of Homeland Security has developed several mascots to teach kids how to prepare for disasters. Cut back to just one mascot, and by one estimate, you save $2.6 million on production and program costs. Yeah, hold on. Let's not go to the mascots. Let's stick with the muffins. There's more muffins. More about the muffins. Pay attention to the muffins. 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 16 bucks for a muffin. Come on. Muffins. That's just one way that the Justice Department is wasting your tax dollars. It better be a good breakfast. By the way, these chicks that do this on, uh, I don't know if it's Fox or whatever, I love her voice. It's like I'm looking at her. I'm like, ah, oh, 
She's sexy. Telling you that. Oh, yeah. What the heck is in that muffin? Oh, I almost feel like saying in other news, there's a $16 muffin. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what? This is a $16 muffin. All right. That's just one example of some of the outrageous spending that turned up in an audit. spending. But now, on the floor of our very own government buildings. Madam Speaker, do you know the muffin man? The muffin man, the muffin man. <laughs> yes, I know the muffin man, but... He doesn't live on Drury Lane. <laughs> this is Representative Poe. <clears throat> this guy, I mean, he's he got the calls like, hey, man, I got an Can idea you do for your it. Muffin Man bit? Hey, man, the Muffin Man bit's really cool, dude. It's really, really awesome. You got to listen to this guy because he actually wraps it up with the rest of And this, this is the hands down. This is tonight's show material. He lives at the Department of Justice yeah, yeah. and is growing rich on selling $16 muffins yeah, yeah. to the Department of Justice Hell yeah. on Justice Lane. Justice Lane. The Department of Justice's inspector general states that at only 10 conferences, the Department of Justice spent almost $500,000 <laughs> on refreshments. Refreshments. $50,000 per conference for just refreshments. Forget about the hookers. The muffins are expensive. And that includes $4,200 for a handful of muffins. Muffins! 250 <laughs> This is great. Now, Madam Speaker, how Watch come these critters, critters cost $16 a piece? Mm. These are some high-dollar muffins. It's a, that it's a damn good muffin. The Justice Department is buying <laughs> for its conferences <laughs> at refreshments. Refreshments. Where do you even find a muffin that costs $16? Well, tell us. I've never seen one, Madam Speaker. Maybe they're shipped in from a special bakery in France with some secret ingredient. <laughs> My favorite bakery in Texas. <laughs> slam at France, by the way. Little, yeah, little side, yeah, sideways yeah, slam at France. Rails yeah. in Beaumont tells me Beaumont. these things should be about $2 a piece. Which is overpriced, too. So why is the Justice yeah. Department, with all those fancy lawyers, fancy lawyers, letting the Muffin Man get away with this price? <laughs> the <scout>? Muffin Man. <laughs> because, the muffin, or because the government doesn't care. No. It lives high care. on the hall with comes. taxpayers' money. Wrap it up. So, Madam Speaker, do you know the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man? <laughs> I know the Muffin Man, and the government qu should quit spending somebody else's money to keep the Muffin Man rolling in the dough. Whoa! Uh. Whoa! Excelente. All right, you get, I'll give you a clip of the week. No, 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 because I got more. But this is, this, this, anyway. this is very important. Listeners to this program, the best podcast in the world, your news outlets are about to overflow with this news. Please don't look at the $135,000 an hour it costs to fly the B-2 stealth bomber, because that ain't no regular muffin. These are the muffins. That I, I should be outraged about these muffins. Please, please don't look at the $50,000 an hour per flight of the J-22 Raptor. Please don't look at all of that. Please don't look at the drones that your president is having built in North Africa. Please don't look at any of that. It's millionaires and their $16 muffins. That's what you should be worried about. That is the word of the nation for today. Yeah, well, and maybe you don't want to worry about... Uh story that started breaking three days ago. Farmers flee as world's deadliest volcano rumbles. Wait a minute. This is not second half of the show yet. No, this is not a <laughs> bullcrap story. This is Mount Tambora. Where is that, Mount Tambora? It's in the Indo Indonesian uh, area. It, oh, right, it's over right. there. It's one of the whoppers. If this sucker goes off, we've got like a two years of no food. 
Well, that's not true because I've got my crisis garden. Yeah, well, I've been, yeah, I'm what, what? sure that garden, which grows nothing but peppers, from what I understand. They're great peppers, though. I, I feed I, anyone. <laughs> Do you like peppers? Hey, guys, what's for dinner? Peppers. <laughs> I got to meet some peppers in the muffins. So how come we won't have any food? No food at all? Well, though, this this thing is one of the big ones. It's they, like it's They the grow muffins over there? For it to throw a bunch of crap in the air and then and basically cut off sunlight for a while is quite high on the list. How far would it cut off the sunlight? Would it cut it off uh, over here? Well, yeah. Really? That's a that's a big cloud. When the when 19, last time I went off it was 1815, mm-hmm. a widely forgotten outside the region killed 90,000 people when it blew up. No, it's just Indonesians. And blackened skies on the other side of the globe. Wow. And so this thing's a rumbling, huh? Didn't didn't it, didn't it poop out something like a couple of days ago as well? Didn't that- yeah, there's been it's interesting because there's been a number of volcanoes that have been active. Yeah, uh, the Icelandic volcano looks like it's you know that one that big one uh, looks like it's shaking something. And there's a volcano according to uh, CBS News on Alaska's remote Aleutians is I think is the one that you're thinking of because it's coughing out some some lava. Yeah. Hey, we need to make a whole... A GX2 should be making a, a new track. Uh, I think we can uh, r- r- uh, revitalize t- uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford. Loaded 16 bucks. What do you got? <laughs> Another big 16. muffin that's over the top. In and the, morning. the muffin <laughs> was stale. <laughs> hey, even worse. Damn, $16 <laughs> muffin was stale. This will be your media distraction of the week, ladies and gentlemen. So we're glad that you've tuned in for those of you listening live in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you, Adam. And in the morning, all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air. Yeah, you got to use a couple other ones. Baker's in the kitchens today. We'll say in the morning well, to you. Yeah, Baker, Baker, so muffin Baker's, Baker's making the muffins. And, of I course, have... all of our uh, human resources who are in the uh, chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net, listening live to the dulcet tones of Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Look. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I don't even know where to start today. Well, let me start with some big news, big news, breaking news, New York Hold Times. Hold on a second. Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news. We have really big news from the New York Times. Over to our correspondent, Jean-Claude Duvarac. Jean. Apparently, uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS are going to start experimenting with uh, try, with with a new, uh, well, by commonly using a word in the common parlance, uh, seldom if ever used on network television, and is now going to be applied to a number of shows as an experiment. The Uh-oh. word Uh-oh. vagina. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Explain to me the the use of this word vagina, and why are we now using it? Is has, has it been approved? Yeah, apparently there are uh, the three networks have agreed to begin to use the word vagina in various sitcoms in comedic situations because the vagina is a hilarious thing. Well, it's very it's it has a it's quite entertaining. It's not as funny as the word <laughs> kook. But it's, I, no, it's not I, I, I likes me a good vagina joke. Seriously, Did, is this like a this was this a press this release? This is a breaking story in the New York Times this morning. Wow, and and the 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 story literally says. Yes, that the it does. three networks have agreed that the word vagina is now uh, can be used in humorous situations. Uh, yeah. let, let's let's try a couple of examples. Hey, John, your face looks like a vagina. <laughs> Would it be like that, or? God, I hope not. <laughs> then how can vagina Why be a punchline? Why would I be mentioned in the sitcom? <laughs> then two and a half men. I don't know. 
Why? Uh, wh- why? Uh, I mean, how can you use vagina as a punchline? <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to wait till the <laughs> scripts are written. I can't but wait. This, but they've just decided to do this. So. Uh, I, you know, I noticed that about, they, they first started this experiment a couple of years ago with the word penis. They started dropping it into sitcoms. And it's funny. I don't think it's that funny. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that now they've decided to up the ante here. Oh, so they got, I know tits is in play. Wait a minute. So, <laughs> so, so they broke. Tits is funny. Now, that's a funny that's word. That's a funny tits. word. So they broke through the glass ceiling because uh, penis apparently was already uh, allowed. And uh, the vaginas amongst us were angry. That they were I not. Think some, I think some women's group protested the use of the word penis without the use of the word vagina. They weren't getting equal uh, coverage, as it were. The vagina muffalogs. Anyway, so that's your news of the day. Oh, wow. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is a huge deal. I have to, uh, it, it pains me. It really, really, speaking of the New York Times and of the stupid things that are being uh, put towards you as news, it pains me to say that uh, Keith Olbermann is pretty much the only guy on... Uh, yeah, he's not really mainstream anymore now that he's on current TV. <laughs> Great, you can't even find it. Yeah, it's, I think it's somewhere in the 800s on my channel box. Uh, he is the only one so far to actually say something about the Occupy Wall Street demonstrations. And uh, he brought a guy on who has... Uh, I'm sure he has a book out. And I just wanted to play this because, uh, well, props where props is due. He is the only one... Uh, of all of any news outlet, although again he, he doesn't really qualify anymore, which is why he can do it. Because, uh, well, let's face it, current TV has no money, so they don't have hey, to. Nobody's paying attention. To current <laughs> TV. No, no one's paying attention. But at least uh, he's saying it. Now, that was pretty good. So here it is. In our third story, after five straight days of sit-ins, marches, and shouting, and some arrests, actual North American newspaper coverage of this, even by those who have thought it farce or failure, has been limited to one blurb in a free newspaper in Manhattan and a column in the Toronto Star. It started Saturday when about a thousand people marched into New York's financial district to express their anger over how the financial system treats the majority of Americans, what they call the 99 percenters, and to draw attention to the misdeeds of Wall Street. They have been confronted with an ever-increasing police presence, which is blocking certain streets and attempting to keep protesters away from the stock exchange itself. While the protesters are peaceful, tensions are beginning to rise. According to the group's own website, seven protesters were arrested yesterday, with four more being arrested today. The police have resorted to using a 166-year-old law which bans the wearing of masks in a gathering of two or more people except at masquerade parties. Simple solution to that crap. Call those protests outdoor masquerade parties. <laughs> While the majority of the media is ignoring the public uprising, it is not going completely unnoticed. Take, for instance, Yahoo, which blocked any email containing the group's website with the message, Suspicious activity has been detected on your account. Yahoo later acknowledged the error, tweeting, We apologize for block- blocking OccupyWallStreet.org. It was not intentional and caught by our spam filters. It is resolved it may be a residual delay. By the way, that was quite interesting. A lot of tweets yesterday about uh, Yahoo blocking uh, messages that contain the actual URL OccupyWallStreet.org. And what a lame-ass excuse of Yahoo to come out and say, Oh, it was our spam filter. Now, spam filters don't work outbound. That is new to me. I've never seen this message from Yahoo. Have you? No, I haven't. I don't use Yahoo that much, so I can't say from uh, lots of experience. But uh, now I know why I don't use it. That's that's uh, <laughs> repulsive. But it's it's such, it's so incredibly 
lame. It's vagina of them to uh, <laughs> to to say that. And but um, even worse, and this is where Oldman goes wrong. He doesn't come out and state the obvious as to why no one is talking about this these Wall Street protests, which, by the way, it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just Wall Street. There are other, I think, in like 37 countries, people are not as maybe as big, but they're they are occupying financial centers and uh, staging protests. So here's the here's the guy he brings on who was a, a journalist. He's like one of these New York elite guys. And they're all they're going to dissect why no one is talking about this. Why the New York Times has not even written about this. Their uh, dissection or deconstruction is lame, but worth listening to. It is a real disconnect. And, and the New York Times, I mean, this is the hometown newspaper of Wall Street. And there have been no print articles in the New York Times to date uh, with these people camping out down there for four or five days now. Uh, it's crazy. I think three things are going on. I think one, I think I think the word disconnect that you use is, is a very good word because I think a lot of people in newsrooms still are not in touch with the real pain and the real suffering of 25 million Americans who are unemployed and underemployed and the, and the struggle to make ends meet there. So I think there's that. I, I think there's there's something else. And, and the media critic Jay Rosen from NYU writes who is a dick about this all the time, which is totally. uh, what he calls savvy, which is to take these people who want to change the world uh, seriously, you know, that uh, I've seen a lot of coverage, like the New York Observer's coverage was basically to make fun of these people, uh, you know, oh, these are the guys with the masks we saw a couple years ago, weren't they, and, and to kind of put it down and not really try and get at the bottom of what's going on here, and there's that, and as far as the Tea Party, uh, you know, Keith, you and I both know the newsrooms overreact to conservative carping, they've been right. doing it since the days with Spiro Agnew. Uh, but what, is it possible that because those people don't look like uh, mainstream newspapers or, or television networks viewers or readers that they aren't old ladies with purple wigs or purple dyed hair and they aren't seemingly you know typical mid middle American Americans that they're they're in New York that that's is that what the suspicion is because you're not going to be able to sell that that videotape or a story about that protest to your audience well, I, th I thought it was funny that the biggest story in the New York Times during the five days of the protest, uh, the biggest local story has been the uh, demise of Ray's Pizza. And so, so it, 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 is kind of, it is kind of like the gray lady selling uh, nostalgia to its gray-haired mm -hmm. gray readers. And I, I think there is an element of that. And, and maybe the fact that um, the Tea Party protesters were people... All right. So what he's saying is... Uh and there is an element of truth to that, is that the readers of the New York Times are not interested in a bunch of kids camping. Uh, now, I will say a few things. One, uh, there were several arrests made, so I think that is newsworthy. But you only have to go back in history, and this is what the New York Times should do, uh, and uh, listen to some of our leaders who have spoken about this very problem um, since there is, uh, as far as I know, there may not be any audio. I couldn't find it uh, that quickly this morning. Uh, I quote from Woodrow Wilson. Since, since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the fields of commerce and manufacturing are afraid of somebody. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. Or we can listen to JFK. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, 
There is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. So this is about the international banking cartel. And if you think for one second that that they do not have influence on the media, turn off this podcast now. Which reminds me of the people who do our uh, the No Agenda Show uh, entertainment uh, site that have that lists all their movies. Uh, put the international on there. That's actually a, a, a yeah. good banking movie. It is indeed. Uh, when you, there was, it was BCCI, right? The uh, who were selling arms. I mean, they run the show. Sixty percent, sixty percent of America's gross domestic product is from banking. These people own everything. They own it, and it is not hard at all to control what is printed or what is uh, broadcast on television. It's very easy. I saw it in my own little microcosm at MTV. Hey, man, don't, don't, uh, don't talk about it that way, okay? All right. You're just not going to do it. We're just going to burn that tape. We're not going to do that, okay? All right? All right? All right? You, like, you like your job, Curry? You like your job? <laughs> Which is another reason. <laughs> <laughs> by by the way, Woodrow... Would, to our show or they won't even get to hear that much. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson, by the way, uh, of course, was responsible for uh, uh, allowing the Federal Reserve to be uh, created. I will say that when he left office... He said that that was the biggest mistake he ever made, and he was really sorry. Well, t- right. Thanks, Thanks for nothing, Thanks, Woodrow. Thanks, Woodrow. Good job, buddy. Never trust buddy. a man named Woodrow. <laughs> or vagina. <laughs> oh, boy, it's so funny. Can't wait until the first one comes out. So, yes, indeed, uh, you are correct. Without people who uh, support this show with monetary units, and in this case, Federal Reserve notes, there would not ironically be, enough ironically enough there would not be uh, any any kind of news that you, that would come into your life that i mean that i can think of so let's thank our uh, executive producers for this show all right um, we have uh, two executive producers and a, and a single lone associate executive producer uh, a she wolf <laughs> Yeah. Douglas uh, Jarrell or Gurrell or Gurrell. I think it's Jarrell. 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 Came in with the $1,111.11 donation, which is wow. commemorating 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, which is coming up shortly this year. Uh, so he's on in that little group of elite nights. John and Adam, thanks for making me laugh and think. You have become a regular listening habit of mine, and it's time I showed my appreciation while at... I can't quit you. While at it, some karma for a new project I'm starting couldn't hurt. Okay, let's do that right off the bat. Whoa, sorry. And do the dedouching at the same time. Oh, it's a double shot. Okay, hold on a second. Let me me do that for you. You've been dedouched. You've got karma. Well, that was very linear that time. Yes, I've I've done I've had tighter. He's in he's in Boulder, Colorado. Mm. Uh, Dean Bertram, uh, ACCRA Acra. I think this is in in Middle East someplace, right? Uh, ACCRA, uh-huh. the Arabian Consulate. I don't know ACCRA. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, that's no note. He just said, but he came in with a nice. Uh, 
three four five dot six seven yeah that's awesome that's uh that is an actual giving level on the website is it not yeah i believe so joanne thompson our associate executive producer from west lafayette indiana she's uh wishing a happy birthday to her son we'll give him a shout out later Uh, this should put him one half to knighthood uh please wish him good karma for the new school year give him a karma all right karma shot for the new school year you've got karma and those are our executive producers for show uh, 341. Uh, we remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, uh, com and also noagendanation.com. Yes. We can click on a donation button and also buy yourself a slave T-shirt. Yeah, these slave T-shirts are uh, off the hook. Uh, I, uh, well, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, let me, let's go over this, this issue that with the slave T-shirt and you. Okay. So there was a board meeting. <laughs> at, at Mevio, which is why I was in San Mevio. Francisco. So yeah. he came up to San Francisco, and and he says to me that he's going to wear the slave T-shirt. During the board meeting. During the board meeting. And so I didn't believe him, but there he was. <laughs> yeah, wearing my slave T-shirt. It's a great shirt. So did anybody say anything? <laughs> Not a soul. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I Two it. and a half hours of meeting, and yeah, you know, there was all kinds of questions like, "Hey, man, what you doing? You know, how's it in L.A.?" and but not like, hey, what's with the slave T-shirt <laughs> with the what's barcode? With the slave T-shirt <laughs> with the barcode. Uh, I wore it during Buzz Out Loud. Uh, I did Buzz Out Loud. Uh, that's Molly Wood's show over there at uh, CNET, and I wore it. And you know, they have cameras, and everyone's like, "Oh, I want this T-shirt. Where do I get it?" So noagendanation.com is where you can get the T-shirt. I have commissioned Miss Mickey and uh, and my slavelet uh, Christina to redesign the shirt because. Uh, although I think it's the the printing and the wording and even the fake barcode is great, um, the shirt itself is a bit boxy. The women think so. Uh, we're going to have to work with Eric uh, the Shill to come up with um, a, a different schnitt, as they call it. It's not the right schnitt, so it, it has to be. You know, it's just boxy. So we. Well, if they wear well, yeah, there's just women's versions that aren't boxy. Yeah, but no, I'm sure. Yeah, but it, there are shirts. I mean, it's a Hanes T-shirt, so it's a good shirt. But it, it's just you, there are different styles. I get something cheaper from China. Yeah, there you anyway, go. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> hold on a second. Borak <laughs> slash na. Let's get something from them damn Chiners. That's a good idea. So uh, anyway, of- so that uh, so that was I, I'm you know it seems weird to me that you would go that if you're a normal you know you're like a board member of some company somebody some character comes in with a slave t-shirt at the board meeting you would say something and the irony was afraid to say something you're gonna bite their heads so the irony was lost on him because you know i'm a slave there i am sitting in the damn board meeting it does me no good you know i have stock certificates that still say pod show on it (laughs) three 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 financing rounds ago i mean i don't have to explain to you what that means john Yes, it means that, that you might as you can use them as wallpaper yeah. to get some money out of them <laughs> yeah. that way. So I'm a slave. Here I am. I'm a slave so I can get my health benefits. I'm showing up. Hi. How you doing? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Slave here. Yeah. Slave Adam. That's right. Uh, slave Adam. A couple of PR mentions that are very apropos today. Uh, thank you very much, Stephen Tesla, for being on the ball. He registered for us sixteen-dollar-muffins.com. Yeah, this is the kind of this is the good this stuff, guys. This is a quick draw. <laughs> yeah, sixteen-dollar-muffins.com. I really, really like that. We have some good ones actually today. These, of course, are forwarding to noagendashow.com. I got nothing to hide.com. Another one forwarding to the show, which I think is a great one. 
unbelievable that this is not registered. Cockedpistol.com, which of course is DEFCON uh, 1, uh, according to our U.S. government drill, which will be taking place, I believe, on the 27th of September, where the uh, president will actually be uh, shuttled underground in uh, the mountains of uh, Colorado, or maybe the under the airport, we're not quite sure. So, cockedpistol.com, which should get some good SEO juice for us. Thank you very much. Is that uh, that's Steve Thompson this time actually did that? So, great job. And then uh, the final one, yet again, I am, I am surprised because it's a word that's been around since 2008. Now registered and pointing to the noagendashow.com website, obamabots.com. Oh, geez. How is it possible? I mean, I don't, I'm always stunned by this. Who's doing PR for these, for, for the Republicans? <laughs> it's like stupid. And we've got it. We have yeah, got I mean, it. That might be repurposed for something fun. Yes, for sure. For sure. For some yeah, We just have a, like a blog that just had you. We find these Obama bots. They're all over the place. Yeah. And we either to post our photos or we just there. post links to various uh, uh, YouTube videos where the bots are talking <laughs> to each other. Hey, bot. How you doing, bot? Yeah, I'm good, bot. What's up, bot? Beep, 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 beep. So thank you very much to Douglas Garul, Gerald. We're, uh, we hopefully will get a pronunciation before we knight Douglas, who is a uh, 11, 11, 11 knight. Uh, Dean Bertram, uh, as of course, uh, Douglas will be also an executive producer of the show for today. Dean Bertram uh, with the 345.67 donation. Great giving level, and that should certainly bring him some karma. Thank you very much, Dean. And associate executive producer and lone she-wolf. Uh, Joanna Thompson uh, with her 222.22 donation. We highly appreciate that. It keeps us on the air, keeps us motivated, and we're very, very proud of it. Of course, you can do one very important thing, which has to do with propagating our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. That sounded like, uh, remember back in the old days when uh, you'd have the edit on the magnetic tape and it would roll across the head and it would like fumble out like that? That's what it sounded like, the digital version of it, I guess. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so I was in San Francisco, uh, went up uh, on Tuesday and I was, uh, so I really had only three things to do. The board meeting, of course, uh, which I wore the brand new slave t-shirt for. Um, Buzz Out Loud with uh, Miss Molly Wood. Uh, we practiced our In the Morning Wood program, uh, which I think went great. I, I promoted the show in so many different ways. Um, if you are brand new and you are listening to Buzz Out Loud, welcome to our little family. We, uh, you know, I threw out the RickPerrySucks.com, ShutUpSlaves.com, Chemtrail.me. This is the cool thing about all these different domain names. Is you don't have to become repetitive when you're promoting the show. So I said noagendashow.com once, but then I slipped in these other ones along the way. That was, uh, uh, and, and, you know, we talked about stuff, too. Stream's down, they say. Is it? No. Mm-hmm. No, stream's good here. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's not good here in Albany. Anyway, go on. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and the chat room there was infiltrated, of course, which was great. How many listeners were there? I don't know how many. I don't know. What's, what's your show get? I have no idea. Yeah. It's popular. Well, it's so popular that they're doing away with it daily and going to once a week, so it must be doing great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's rocking. Um, and then, of course, John and I, or actually the uh, Tuesday evening, we had uh, one of our famous dinners. Uh, and I will say right up front, 
just like my airfare and my hotel at the luxurious uh, Marriott Courtyard on 2nd Street. Uh, the dinner was uh, financed uh, by the Nevio credit card, which is still good through the month of October. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting a new one after the whole slave T-shirt thing. Well, not if you keep actually using it. <laughs> hey, Adam, your personal expenses were a bit high this month. Yeah. Uh, and we had a dinner at Fifth Floor in San Francisco. And since people are always asking us to do a little more food and wine talk on the program, uh, I think we should just discuss this briefly, John, if you don't mind. I, I would like to kick it off by saying uh, John was a total dick to the staff, which was quite hilarious. That was not a total you dick. You were. Here's how it goes. John is looking through the wine list, which is kind of the most important part of, of our meal since uh, John is a uh, wine expert aficionado. And he's looking through it, and he's grumbling, and he's moaning. He's like, is the sommelier here? <laughs> the sommelier is <laughs> At like... At least the, it dramatized my life. It sure makes it a lot more interesting than reality. The, the, by the way, <laughs> you, have to, you, have, you have to understand, John was dressed in uh, his Crocs, uh, his jeans, and uh, a shirt hanging out. <laughs> Your shirt tail just hanging out. I even made because I dressed up. I had a you know like I, I, well, I had yeah, 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 I was no. dressed up. I was dressed in black. I look good, and I always think that we look like you know gay lovers when we're in these places. You know, we show up at like at five thirty. Any I've never seen any gay guys actually think that. <laughs> I watch it. I think we look like like you're my gay sugar daddy. I'm telling you, it, <laughs> it, it, until I pay, which is when they get thrown off. Like, oh wait a minute, how did that work? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And uh, so John's bitching and moaning. Hey, give me the sommelier. And the sommelier comes over. She, Her name was, uh, what was her name? Sue? Jennifer. Jennifer. She was from Long Island. And John's like, watch, she'll be a psycho. She'll be a psycho. So you're like setting me up. And of course she was a psycho. And here's how it goes. John goes, mmm, this uh, bottle of schlackalapa looks underpriced. <laughs> And she went, she was like, uh, 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 uh. John like, why is it underpriced? <laughs> what what did we wind up uh, purchasing, John? We had a pomard from uh, one of the Burgundy vendors, and it was underpriced. And so I figured it was crummy. I wanted to get some feedback from her. She wasn't giving me any feedback, and she wasn't trying to upsell us or anything else. She didn't seem to. Um, she said, "Yeah, it's probably underpriced because we put all the wines on sale." And then we ended up buying that wine anyway, and it was uh, the last bottle, which I've always considered to be quite funny. And um, it was okay. It was good. You liked it a lot. I did. I was not well from the meal itself that evening. Yeah, I've run into a lot of this kind of thing. and these I, That's why I don't really eat out at these high-end places so much anymore, because they try to... They, they do these experimental things that are just like uh, El Bulli style cooking where they make like there's little eggs that were actually apple juice or whatever. And, um, I, and I wonder whether or not they know what they're doing. And I think they're also doing a lot of sous vide, which we bitched about on the show before, or I have. Sous vide? Uh, explain sous vide. Sous vide is that slow cooking where you're mm. basically cooking at, a, at, at some With at a temperature that... It's actually lower than the ambient air temperature in Phoenix, Arizona during the summer. Yeah. And uh, you're cooking in this low temperature in a plastic vacuum-packed bag in a special device. This is being promoted by Thomas Keller at the at the French Laundry. And it's also uh, uh, 
uh, Nathan Miravold at Microsoft, who's become something of a aficionado of sous vide, his articles in the New York Times about it. And he's got his big gastronomic book that he's put out, and he's a big sous vide promoter. And, and now they're selling sous vide gear at um, Williams-Sonoma. And I went in there and was bitching about this with one of the – because it's a, it's a health – Violation. I mean, this. The, the, I just find these devices to be pushing your luck for uh, producing anaerobic uh, bacteria, and because uh, it's in a vacuum and it have all these elements, you can get botulism. It seems. Well, I, I had botulism. Out. I think I had botulism because I woke up at like two thirty in the morning and I was not well. Yeah, I don't want to go into details, but I I was not well, and I and seriously, I was like, okay, I read the entire Financial Times on the can. Well, that's really bad. Yeah, and, and and now here's what I had. I had the uh, so it was the <clears throat> quintet of oysters, which I I when I, I asked you and you said, well, the month has an R in it, but then you said January is the best, and I and I'm thinking it might have been the oysters. That well, I had the same oyster, so you have, may have had a bad oyster. Well, we had we we shared all our food because uh, I had the pork. Maybe my stomach was just not used to pork, and I normally would not have pork, but I was like, okay, I, you know, I haven't had pork in a long, long, well, long time. Well, you had other things on your pork plate yeah. than I had, and so that's possible something on that plate, or there may have been a bad oyster, or um, what else was it we had? There wasn't this, was there a third thing? I think I, there was a, you had something I didn't have, which was. Oh, I had the, oh, I had the foie gras. Ah, that could be it. It could have been the foie gras. Yeah, which is a heavy. If you haven't been eating that a lot, that could make you sick. Uh, Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I had a salad or something instead. But in, like, in general, I would give. I, but let me make another point yes, for please. people to like to follow our food chat. And by the way, yes, um, we did. We did eat off each other's plate. We do that. That which just makes it all the more gay. <sighs> Honey, can I try some of your veal? So uh, you keep pushing this. I'm wondering about you. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the uh, the what was I saying? Foie gras I don't know. Was... You had something. You wanted to say something. Oh, man, you interrupted me, and I lost my train of thought on the show. I'll, I'll come back to Lipitor. it. Lipitor. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one of the things, by the way, I don't eat foie, foie gras. This may be the complaint. Uh, because, you know, for one thing, it's a trendy because oh, we're gonna, it's going to be made illegal in California. But the joke of it is f the foie gras we get, most of it in the United States, is duck liver. Yeah, it's not goose. And real foie gras is goose liver. Right. And the difference is uh, is remarkable. I mean, goose liver, the real foie gras is quite tasty. It's fantastic. I have never liked duck liver foie gras. I think it tastes funny and it's, and it's I don't know what they've done to tor torment these ducks to get those livers that big, but well, they pump they pump tubes in their throat the same it's, as, it's as just, the geese. It's just not a product I, I'm no, really and, fond of. Well, and, and goose and liver I, foie gras, I'm, I'm more than happy to eat. It's delicious. Yeah. Anyway, I and and then of course uh, when <clears throat> I had ordered the uh, uh, pork and you had ordered the veal and they came out with two veals. Yeah. And, and we're like, uh, dude, uh, not true. And the guy comes back to so like, my finger slipped on the computer and I hit. <laughs> that was a classic. What a, what a load of crap that was. <laughs> so overall, I would give uh, on a scale of and one to ten. by the way, wait, wait. Let's get one more little jibe in there. Oh, okay. He comes back and he says, hey, the chef will make it up with a, sec with a special course for you or some sort which, of yeah, thing. Yeah, and he brought me a piece of bread. Here. Yeah, there was nothing. They never <laughs> bought the special <laughs> piece course. Of and then bread. we got 
So we got the veal and the pork, and I'm surely convinced that the veal was just left under the heater because it wasn't... Oh, yeah, under the heat lamp, for sure. Seems a little dry. And so I got screwed in the deal. Yeah, you did. It was and, dry. Uh, your your you, veal was dry. I didn't know you got sick. You didn't mention that. Well, we didn't see each other. I hate it when I get sick at, at a, especially an expensive restaurant. Yeah, because uh, I think the total bill was... It was very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it was very expensive. Um, but it didn't come out of the no agenda money we should no, mention. No, no, no. Again, it was on the Nevio credit card. So, because uh, we... <laughs> We would not be able to afford that meal. <laughs> like, no, uh, not for us. But anyway, yeah, that's that's disappointing. But, you know, this this place has gone through, it started off as a fantastic place, and it lost a chef, and then they went to another chef and there was, who was supposed to be better, and he wasn't, and then the place declined and came back and went another chef. And then they finally had this female chef who I thought was still there. That's one of the reasons I went there. And uh, no. She's not there anymore. And so they got this new guy. So, and the new guy, the food was okay, or seemingly so, I guess not. But I, I suspect there may be some sous vide involved. And there's nothing, you know, to me, my way of thinking, that anything that has. Uh, the only thing that we, that we both liked and we will both try in our cooking endeavors at home is the tomato water made into shaved ice. Yeah, that was absolutely that was fantastic. That was very cool. But I, so I, I got it. By the way, I just right in the middle of this, I got a note saying, "Turn off stream intro. It's starting over and over again every minute." Yeah, I know. I can't help that. That's not. Uh, they changed something on the streaming server. I have nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Right. So, I'm so sorry. anyway, yeah, no, the uh, the ice. Um, uh, <laughs> Apparently, the stream had the foie gras as well today. <laughs> Thank you, non corn The ice, uh, water uh, frozen was pretty good. I, 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 I'm, I can use that idea. Uh, anyway, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give uh, Fifth Floor in San Francisco a 6.5. Really? I'm dinging them. Yeah. I would never give a restaurant that high a number. Well, you know, I was traveling, so I'm, I don't know. But what else? What else could I have been sick from? You know, it's like this. I didn't have any crap at the airport. You know, so uh, maybe it was because of the pork. Then the, you know, my innards just aren't used to that anymore. But you said this now. What is this about pork in you? Well, you I, eat meat. Yeah, but I don't. I I never eat pork. Why? Well, just never do. It's. I mean, it's not like a big deal. You know. Huh. Not, you know, it's just uh, it's what it is. What it is. All right, well, so that so I guess we won't go back there. No. <laughs> well, fat chance we're going to see each other anytime soon. Well, you get up here. Oh, well, I'm going to go down to L.A. Yeah, keep threatening. You better hurry because we're going to be leaving soon. We're leaving the state of California. By the way, here's something I found out. This is abhorrent. So even though I have nothing, to, and this was in the board meeting, even though uh, I'm just a shareholder, board member, um, I receive a pittance. Uh, actually, I get some minimum wage loan uh, so that I can have health insurance from the company, which is which kind of my deal. All right, so that's bad on me for cutting a dumb deal because now the company is actually uh, making a little bit of profit. Not a huge amount, but it's making some profit. You know, God knows how they do it, but it's congratulations, good on everyone who works there. That's awesome. So the state of California has changed, I didn't even get to talk to you about this, has changed the uh, taxation rules. And so, you know, for a good five years, almost six, um, millions of dollars went into this company. Uh, and for, you know, four or five years, uh, big losses were made, you know, millions of dollars of negative results at the end of the year, money being pumped in, blood, sweat, and tears being pumped in, 
uh, real uh, providing jobs, and we've provided jobs for probably 150 people over, maybe even more over that period of time. Uh, and there's still there's still like a good 25 people there now. I mean, there's, there's real work, real opportunity, small company. Now, typically, up until the changes made by Jerry Brown, you could carry your losses forward for your taxes. Not this year. The state of California has now dinged the company. We finally made a profit. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't carry forward those losses, all those millions of dollars that you invested. No, 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 no. You have to pay um, not just uh, taxes on your profit, but estimated for this year. Well, that's another good way to drive business out of the state of California. Uh, no kidding. I mean, that, that yeah, is egregious. Nevada beckons. Nevada beckons. No, no, no. Austin. Austin, Texas. Well, for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. There's, there's a scramble for money so these governments can stay in business. In Oakland right now, my wife brought this to, to my attention, there's a bunch of these anti-blight laws. And here's how it works. You, you are, a, 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 say you're an investor and you, and you go to West Oakland and you f- see a blighted property. In other words, the thing's boarded up old house. You want to, uh, it's on the market. It's been foreclosed on. It's basically not owned by anybody. So you want to fix it up. So you buy it. And it's the minute you buy it, the Oakland officials slam you with a blight penalty because you're, you're, you now own this blighted property. And huh. then they put liens on the property that you just bought. So you can't sell the property and you can't get loans to fix up the property because there's liens on the property. And this is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of liens. So you have to either abandon the property and leave it blighted or you or you or you unless you have a deep pocket, you can't do anything. So essentially they're trying and we figured out that what they're trying to do is that there's federal money available for cities that are blighted, that got nothing but crap hole cities that are just falling apart. Because you can get federal money. So if you start fixing these places up, that federal money dries up. By the way, I love it when people in the chat room say, serve you right for starting the company in San Francisco. Hey, what companies have you started, douchebag? You know how many companies I've started? How many people uh, I've uh, provided uh, with work uh, and uh, opportunity uh, and jobs? Quit, see, quit being distracted by people in the chat. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Blight. Well, Blight. Well, the, but the, of course, this, no, is no, a, this is like, and, but it's like for one thing, there's a money grab for people who try to fix things up of both from both the feds and the individual so they can stay in business in these little, of in course, these little hell holes. Of, of course, and the same thing with parking meters and everything else and 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 tickets. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, speeding tickets and left turn tickets and everything. They can oh, check cameras, this out. Oh, check this out. Red, no, check this out. Check signal. this out. I got a scam that'll make you even angrier. So Mickey made an honest mistake and she uh she did a u-turn where she shouldn't have bad and and she was really freaked out about it because she really tries to and she drives a lot so you know shit happens so she gets a ticket for 380 (laughs) dollars which by the way will remind you not to do that again but in addition it says now, and this is the crazy thing. If you want to uh, make sure that you don't get a point on your license, and it says right there, which will affect your insurance rate, yep. you have to add an additional $65 to the fee just for the fact that you are going to then go to traffic school, which is an additional payment. And f- do you know how many hours you have to go to traffic school? Eight hours. Do you know what that costs? Eight hours of traffic school? Yeah, it's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. 
So I went to traffic school. Uh, I finally did it online because there's online, which just shows you how bogus it is. I, but I think I told the story. This is a number of years ago. I think I told on an earlier show. Most people probably don't remember it or haven't heard it or they weren't listeners then. So I go to this traffic school in Chinatown, Oakland. And this guy's, this guy's giving us all kinds of weird information about how you can't change your insurance companies because it's a scam. There's a centralized company. If you start swapping your car insurance, they start jacking your rates up and then they, the other guys know about it and they won't give you a better deal. And, and he essentially, and he tells you about all kinds of traffic laws that you've never heard of. And it, it's just a part of a scam system to grip you off. <laughs> One thing, well, this is pretty interesting. This is amazing that the California, uh, would allow this guy to be blowing the lid off all this stuff, this Chinese guy. And uh, so we take a lunch break, go to get some food, and, you know, we're in Chinatown. It's a great place to eat. I come back. There's there's tape all over the place, crime scene. The cops have arrested the guy. <laughs> crime scene. <laughs> they arrested the guy and hauled him off to jail. Excellent. <laughs> and I saw the two cops. There were two undercover cops that were in the class. I, there was something, just speaking of the craziness of Gitmo Nation, um, this was on Judge Napolitano, uh, you know, the, on Fox Business, whatever he is, the new Glenn Beck, who, by the way, I have a bone to pick with later on. This, th this is how the court system works in America. Listen to this. Paul Berggren is a former assistant U.S. attorney in New Jersey who became a well-known and much sought-after criminal defense lawyer. He's represented such luminaries as singer and actress Queen Latifah and rap star Lil' Kim. Mr. Berggren now finds himself in the crosshairs of his former colleagues as a federal grand jury in Newark has indicted him for conspiracy to murder a witness who had been preparing to testify against one of Mr. Berggren's own clients. After firing several of his attorneys, Mr. Berggren has decided to represent himself in the same courtroom in which he once successfully prosecuted bad guys. But this is only the first half of the story. The second half of the story is this. The government has persuaded a federal judge to have Mr. Berggren wired with a taser under his belt. And the judge has warned the, him that if he moves anywhere in the courtroom where he shouldn't go or says anything the feds don't want to hear, a U.S. Marshal will zap him with the taser. <laughs> I love it. That's how all court proceedings should be done. And it should be broadcast live. I, this is, I think they this, put that thing around their neck like that old Star Trek. Yeah, what are you gonna blow your head off? This is awesome. This is a very. This is you know they're they're all, you know what they're all just thinking TV. They're thinking reality. Sh Judge Judy should do this. We should have the People's Court with tasers. This is great. Hey 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 hey. I loved that. That, that to me that was like wow that is perfect this is what it's come to in our justice system no one of those no one of those guys eating 16 dollar muffins they're laughing it up there like yeah, uh, the time uh, of their life we, just give them to zap him just zap him for no good reason yeah just oh, I'm, I'm sorry i'm do it right in the middle yeah. of the trial hey man i'm really I'm sorry give you 10 bucks if you do it dude who's gonna you can say you slipped I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry, man. It, it was just a mistake. What can I Come tell on, you? Ten bucks. Ten bucks. No problem. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. But then that, you know, just to stay on Napolitano, let me just find this clip for a second. Uh, something very distressing. Um, oh boy, 
I'm sorry. He has a lot. That show is, is, is hard. He has nothing but... Here it he, is. You know, if people watch that show, they would get really upset. Well, the judge is, is now uh, no longer in favor with me. Listen to this clip. Now a few items from our Freedom Files. Chuck Schumer never met an opportunity to call for big government intervention that he didn't like. The senior senator from New York, who once mentored the now-disgraced former congressman Anthony Weiner, wants the Food and Drug Administration to issue warning labels on apple juice shipped from China, saying that it's okay to drink the juice despite some traces of arsenic. It seems that last week when my TV colleague and friend and fellow New Jerseyan, Dr. Mehmet Oz... Oops! My friend? My friend, Dr. Oz? Really? Did he say that? He said that. My fr- my colleague, friend, and fellow New Jerseyan. Okay to drink the juice despite some traces of arsenic. It seems that last week when my TV colleague and friend and fellow New Jerseyan, Dr. Mehmet Oz, warned about... No, I'm sorry, Judge. That doesn't cut it with me. So, uh, Judge Napolitano is... Uh off the show. He's on the watch list. He's, he's, on, he's on the no agenda, no agenda watch, watch list. list. We're watching you, Judge. I don't care. Yeah, we're watching you. All right, I, I got to get to a couple of just crazy. Uh, for those of you who haven't been following it, and it, actually, I think it is being followed because I got interview requests from the Netherlands to come on political talk shows to discuss the new concept of taxing rich people more to pay for. Um, the poverty, essentially. So this is now a world that everyone is watching the United States because, of course, what we're in the middle of right now is our very own version of Greece. These are austerity measures, um, which uh, to the max, except we're not calling it austerity measures. We're calling it, you know, paying your fair share or whatever. And uh, and I think we, sh- we should deconstruct this a little bit, John, uh, even though we did talk about it during dinner against all the rules, and that was not so good. But first, here's the president coming out to the Rose Garden, because uh, what I did for you, and if you've not listened to it, uh, on the previous program, I deconstructed the entire Jobs Act for you, the American Jobs Act. Uh, and it shows you that it's the infrastructure bank and, uh, you know, people being able to buy up houses for free and, you know, getting slaves to work for free and... And it's, just, it's it's a whole bunch of crazy stuff, and and we're not talking about how it's paid for. You know, we're talking about what it is. What, what, is this going to create any jobs? Uh, and then, of course, the president comes out with his entire package, and the package is, um, you know, contains like a, a trillion dollars for troops. We're going to draw down and a whole discussion. Who cares? You know, it's all it's all political show anyway. But listen to what this douchebag says. So there shouldn't be any reason for Congress to drag its feet. They should pass it right away. I'm ready to sign a bill. I've got the pens already. I've got the pens already. Really? This thing is not, it hasn't even been introduced as a bill. It doesn't get introduced until probably the second week of October. Do people not pay attention to the political process or know how it works anymore? Is the, is the media just sitting there going like, oh, the pens are ready. Let me write that down. Pens ready. Uh, no, the pens are ready. We can sign it. Yeah, the bill hasn't been introduced. In fact, the stopgap measure was introduced. And uh, even that, again, the Republicans just said, no, we don't. Or they had a new, their version. Nobody, the Democrats didn't want that. It's just, it's just a joke. We actually have another one of these stopgap measures, you know. Uh, being introduced instead of the bill. What is a stopgap measure? That means, in other words, you're running out of money on the end of September. 
Oh, and right. we need to have some more money. So let's just do what we've been doing until November, and let's put that in. And Well, in- interesting you should mention that, because you remember how there was all this uh, grandstanding about when the president should actually have that, you know, have that speech? Remember, he wanted to have it on uh, Wednesday. And then, oh, right, uh, the one he wanted to have during the Republican debate. Right. So he decided to have it on opening day of NFL. Why? What was the rush on either one of those two days? Well, I figured out what it was all about. Dope. On, uh, so it happened on September 8th, the speech. And on that very day, the U.S. Senate, in an unusual procedure, cleared the way for the U.S. to lift its borrowing authority by $500 billion to $15.19 trillion, enough to keep the support, enough to keep the support for the federal government borrowing money through late January or early February. So what these bastards did it's, you know, we we uh, uh, the, remember there was the big uh, push and for four hundred billion dollars, but hidden in that provi- in that provision, remember after raising the debt limit, was this uh, little trick. Uh, it's a it's a legislative proce- procedure. Um, here it is. The action came under an unusual legislative procedure spelled out under the August agreement to raise the U.S. debt ceiling, avoid a U.S. credit default. Um, it doesn't exactly exp- oh here designed by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell would allow an increase of the borrowing limit while allowing most Republicans to vote against such an increase. So they actually timed everything to obfuscate from the public the fact that Senate raised the spending limit by five hundred billion dollars, which we are not told about because no one was no one was reporting on it on the very day of the speech. Yes, because everyone's all keyed up for the speech. No, they were keyed up for football. Well, that's well, yeah, exactly. They were keyed up for football. And as you know, on this program, because words do matter. There's a word that I looked up. Uh, this again is from the Rose Garden. The president talking about his plan uh, being introduced and the pens being at the ready. Profligate spending in Washington, tax cuts for multimillionaires and billionaires, the costs of two wars, and the recession turned a record surplus into a yawning deficit. A yawning. A yawning deficit. That struck me as a strange word to use. A yawning deficit. So I uh, look it up. Yawn, verb. Involuntary, open one's mouth wide and inhale deeply due to tiredness or boredom. Noun, a reflex act of opening one's mouth wide and inhaling deeply due to tiredness or boredom. Derivatives, an adverb, <coughs> yawningly. What does he mean by a yawning deficit? That the deficit is standing like with its mouth open like a bird waiting to be thrown up into? I mean, what does that mean? Is maybe he didn't say the right word that was on the teleprompter. Let's just listen to it again. It was very interesting. Could surplus into a yawning deficit. A yawning deficit. What does that mean? Just like um, with if mouth wide open. yawing deficit, no. that would yawing. have some meaning because it's oscillation, you know, it could be. So you think he might have misread the word? Well, I don't see how you can use yawning. I found that to be, you know, I listen. I I you could things. use yawing, you say yawing which would be Which would be going from left to right, but that's not true because the deficit is only yawing in one direction. It's, it's hard to stern. But yawning, it's like... <laughs> Morning. That's something Jay Carney should answer. Jay Carney did uh, answer. Uh, my God, you know, 
my dad once taught me something, which uh, he picked up somewhere along the way. I haven't learned a lot from my dad, but a couple of things I've learned and have stuck with me. And uh, this is probably from some training he's had, which will go unnamed. That when someone is speaking and they stick out their tongue, like lick their lips or something, or literally just, just their tongue just protrudes for a second, that means that it's a lie, that it's bullshit. Would you agree that this is uh, a well-known fact in uh, in body behavior? I don't know that it's behavior? a fact, but I have observed it myself. When when someone sticks out their tongue while they're talking, then it's usually a lie, or something's going on. Because Jay Carney and I and I watch this entire. I always watch the press briefings ad nauseum. It is uh, usually featured on C-SPAN. Um, he doesn't stick out his tongue often, and he wasn't sticking out his tongue in questions before this. But during the uh, questions about this book that uh, came out, Ron oh, Susskind's book. I have book. a book clip. Yeah. Okay. I have the same clip. Of Carney? Yeah. Uh, Where he goes on and on saying, I don't know. It's a bullcrap book. I never read it. No, but. Well, I'll play, I'll play mine, then I want to hear, because it may be two different ones. So here's no, a. No, I don't think so, but well, go let's ahead. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> look. <laughs> look. Look. I, too, have not read the book although I've read a lot about it. Um, what we know is that very simple things, facts that could be ascertained, dates, titles, statistics, quotes, are wrong in this book. Wrong. So I think that, in fact, one passage seems to be lifted almost entirely from Wikipedia in the book. I think That I thought was very interesting. Yeah, it was a chicken shit cheap shot. Well, and he gets called on the it, way, though. By the way, the, the Wikipedia is public domain, so you don't lift it. You you. But he gets called on. They were necessary. Here, listen. And it took decisive leadership. It took uh, clarity of blah, vision blah, about blah, where blah, we need blah, to move blah, the country. Blah, 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 blah. And it took awesome. a willingness, blah, blah. willingness to suffer blah, blah, blah. Muffins. political risk Squirrel. in order to do the right thing for the country. And that question. was absolutely at the heart of all the decisions the president made, and the president made them. Here we go. What part, what, what part was lifted from Wikipedia? Uh, we can get that for you. It just, it's just uh, it's almost a word for word. Uh, I don't Wikipedia. know. I don't know. Where did you get that clip? From C-SPAN. Because I have the same clip, but there's a whole bunch of stuff in my clip that you don't have. It's the exact same clip. Well, I well I forwarded it. I didn't. I forwarded uh, to the uh, to the to the question about uh, what part was oh, lifted okay. from. So you jumped past the part where he says it wasn't the life that they led and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't give a crap. Because he was sticking his tongue out the whole time. Like a little lizard. Yeah, well, he's a... This whole thing, this is... I've never read the book, but it's wrong, and here's why. Well, that, that's right there. Is an, it's either an out-and-out out lie. And why, by the way, if you're the press secretary, aren't you on top of these things? Is there, I mean, I know Cheney used to pull this crap. It's beneath me to read that book. <laughs> But but the fact of the matter is, if you're the press secretary, it's your job to read that book immediately. Yes. And he says he didn't read it, so he's what? He doesn't give a crap? Yeah. Um, he's lying because he oh, didn't yeah. read the book. Oh, There's oh, no of way he's he didn't lying. Read that book. But he but he can't quote the Wikipedia page. So you know, some some intern went like, "Hey man, this from Wikipedia. Hey man, let me put this in Wikipedia so we can say it was lifted from Wikipedia." Yeah, and you can do that quite easily. Yeah, well, they it can. Takes no effort to do exactly what you described. By the way, could somebody please change my picture on my wiki page? I look like a dick. Please put a, <laughs> put an updated picture <laughs> in there. Look, yeah. let me see what you're talking about. I look about. like a, a dork. It's like it's, it's a horrible picture. 
And I'm afraid. I'm afraid to change anything. There's plenty of good pictures of me. Put a good picture up there, please, with me and my Uggs. And put in the fact that I'm bi-curious. Put I'll in, put it in yeah, there. Yeah, put in some stuff there for me, will you? Obsessively bi-curious. <laughs> um, Obama. You were born in Arlington, Virginia. Yes, I was. Which, uh, that picture's not that bad. It's a horrible picture. You're coming from the fashion icon that you are, John. <laughs> it's a horrible picture. Anyway, uh, the president made a very interesting stumble. Umph. Uh, yeah. Talking about his, uh, whatever he was talking about. And and it's funny, uh, the clip, just the very end, you can hear everyone laughing at him. They're, it's, they're literally laughing at his stupid mistake about, this is the, the uh, he's trying to say my way or the highway. Oh, the, yeah, this is hilarious. This is a good one. But the people are laughing at him. I can't believe it. Well, they're happy. So the speaker says... We can't have it my way or the highway, and then basically says, my way. Or the highway. <laughs> and they're all laughing in the background. I can do this. I can probably... So the speaker says, you can't have it my way or the highway. And then he says, my way. Or the highway. <laughs> like, you can't read the prompter, you fool. You fool. That's probably the prompter. Whoever put it in the prompter did a poor job. Yeah, they didn't. The line line separation is probably was bad or someone didn't scroll up quick enough. Now, the president was at a Democratic fundraiser, as he does. And wait, uh, before you go there, let's play this clip. Sure. I have this uh, because do do you have any idea what it costs to have a dinner with the president and some fundraiser play my clip from the news. This is like yesterday's news because he's because Obama's coming back to San Francisco on Sunday. Yeah. And he's going to do a dinner, and he's going to say hello, and he's going to do this and that and the other thing. But, but check this out. Play the dinner, Obama dinner price clip. President Obama is coming back to the Bay Area. On Sunday, he will have two fundraisers, one in San Francisco, the other in Atherton. The Atherton event is a dinner that costs $35,800 a couple. And then on Monday, the president will host a town hall at LinkedIn at, in Mountain View. Dvorak.org. Slash N A thirty five. What's the eight hundred for? How come That's I couldn't round it off? I'm wondering. I'm the thirty five thousand eight hundred. Like, what gouge for, them it, for an extra eight hundred? It's for parking. It's Can't for they the, round it off. It's for valet parking. What a what a rip off. <laughs> yeah, but that's for a couple. Oh yes, uh, it's actually a bargain in disguise. <laughs> For the price of thirty-eight thousand eight hundred, thirty-five thousand eight hundred. So you know, interestingly enough, when we talked about the uh, the White House insider um, who's been doing these interviews, true or not, you know, he's talking about you know, there's going to be a race war. This this administration will take it to race wars to get the president reelected, and I think they're kind of starting this with the class warfare because the class warfare very quickly can go into a racist conversation. And you watch uh, Bill O'Reilly and people like this are going to take it to the to the race. Uh, they will pull the race card on this. So it's uh, I think that has already started. Um, but regarding this class warfare, here is what the president said at one of these uh, fundraiser dinners, which I found uh, a bit astounding. You're already hearing the Republicans in Congress dusting off the old talking points. It, it, you know, you can all, you can write their press releases. Class warfare, they say. You know what? If asking a billionaire to pay the same rate as a plumber or a teacher makes me a warrior for the middle class, I wear that charge as a badge of honor. I wear it as a badge of honor. 
of honor. A badge of honor. So he's a class warfare warrior. And he wears that as a badge of honor. We're doomed. We are really doomed now. I thought that was pretty lame of him to say. I don't know what he's up to. And MoveOn.org is taking advantage of this whole secretary thing. Here's their latest commercial. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary. And I pay a higher tax rate than my billionaire boss. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary. (laughs) I have three kids, make $40,000 a year. And I contribute a greater percentage of my income than many billionaires and millionaires. Most Americans want Congress to raise taxes on the wealthy. But the GOP refuses to do it. Why? Call Congress and tell them. Raise taxes on millionaires and billionaires so all Americans <laughs> pay their fair share. This is so outrageous. It's out- crazy to pay their fair share. It's, it's great. so outrageous. I like outrageous. the way they slip that part in. Yeah, but so just, just so we understand how it works, I, I just want to explain this. Um, because the we have a progressive tax system in the United States and uh, based on income. But if you have um, capital gains, which, by the way, is the same for everybody... Uh, you know, depending on how long you hold a certain uh, a certain asset, uh, I think it's like uh, the the lowest rate now, depending on how long you hold it, is fifteen percent. So it is not that um, you pay. They actually say it here. It's all about fair share, etc. But the, it's it's twisting the the truth because yeah, you pay fifteen percent on an asset that you hold, and if you make money off of that, which is how a lot of people. You know, basically, you know, that's where the income is coming from. But then to say we're going to use that to tax people more with higher income brackets, it's twisting the truth. Or am I reading this wrong, John? Well, there's a lot of twisting the truth going on from every which way. But the uh, I, I question the notion that uh, some secretary has got a lower tax rate. That's that's what Buffett. I'm. But she actually says in that commercial, she uh, she turns it around and they she says she actually says the truth in that and says, uh, well, hey, let's listen to it again because you play it's, it again. Yeah, it's very tricky. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary, and I pay a higher tax rate than my billionaire boss. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary. I'm Warren Buffett's secretary. That's good. That's good. Well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here it comes. Listen, cl- listen closely. I have three kids, make $40,000 a year, and I contribute a greater percentage of my income. A greater percentage of my income. Well, yeah, because you don't have the same type of income. So that's different than saying it's the same. Well, that's not the one. It's the other woman that bothers me where she says she pays a higher tax rate, rate than Warren Buffett. This is bull crap. Yeah. How is it possible? Unless Warren Buffett, I mean, Warren Buffett might have worked his way into getting a zero tax rate like General Electric, which is, which is, and by the way, Warren Buffett getting zero taxes and General Electric getting zero taxes. These are both people that are friends of Obama. So, I mean, who's yeah, we, And we know that in this American Jobs Act that there's uh, about $14 billion going to railroads. So Warren Buffett is all too happy to, to be propagating this message. He's, he's, that's great because he's going to get $14 billion. So f- she's paying a higher tax rate than Warren Buffett. If Warren Buffett is managing to make no money technically, yeah, she would be. But it's bull crap. I mean, the fact of the matter is there's probably more going to the tax coffers from Warren Buffett's various accounts Sure, uh, in one way or another. This whole thing is very, very, very dangerous. It's a lie. It's basically a lie. Ted Turner was on Bloomberg, <clears throat> and uh, 
You want to hear a dick? <laughs> oh, Turner? Yeah. Oh, Turner's a great dick. He's the great dick of dicks. He, so here he is, you know, in this Time Warner merger, he lost like $9 billion of paper value and was left with only a billion dollars, and it really hurt him. And uh, I rallied a little bit, but... Uh, you could talk from personal experience with him. Well, tell me about it. And I, I tell you what, I, I, laid, I, I laid in bed at night uh, thinking about which of my ranches I was going to sell first and which of my panties in my art collection if, if the situation kept going. <laughs> My ranch and my Monet. I don't know which one to sell. <laughs> Boo You know who was really, really egregious or abhorrent is. Uh, this, by the way, this is why the public at large doesn't give a crap about overtaxing these guys. No, of course not. But they don't realize that everyone's going to get screwed. That's no, the problem. That's the problem. There's two things that people don't realize. One is they're going to get more screwed because it always they, the public always gets more screwed. The public always takes it in the short. When the stock market's going up and it's peaking, the public goes in and they get wiped out. Yeah. The public is the one that should say, don't do anything. Elizabeth Warren, who got kicked out of the job that she set up, you know, she was asked to come in and... and uh, Create a job for herself. Yeah, create a job for herself. And then they brought in the guy who wrote the book on terrorism. Remember that? This is the yeah, guy who wrote yeah. the book about, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, booted her out. Bad, bad economy creates terrorists, lone wolf. Literally, the guy wrote the book on lone wolf terrorists. Go look it up at search.nashownotes.com. She's on a talking tour because, of course, no one will listen to her anymore. She's been kicked out of Washington. And she has an interesting take on why we need to uh, tax the rich. <laughs> She's in a group of people here, in a living room at home. No, there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You built a factory out there, good for you. But I want to be clear, you moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You uh, were safe in your factory because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid oh, yeah. for. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this. Because Carl Warren at work. What an more, idiot. More marauding bands. You mean like, you mean like, like the Mexico. goons that went into Gibson Guitar? Yeah, those guys. shut them down <laughs> yeah, because they were bringing goons. in some wood from China that they, somebody didn't like? You mean goons like that? Is that what she's talking about? Yeah, it's. It, I can't believe you know. I can't believe I'm hearing this. This is Atlas Shrugged. This is well. It's more like Adolf Hitler. Well, hold on. Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. It is here. We are now in chapter fourteen of the book. <laughs> We're getting. I'm glad I have a pilot's license so I can find Galt's Gulch. <laughs> Yeah, I'm you're telling you, find it all right. It is. It is. It Who's going to be there? Turner? <laughs> no, Steve Jobs. Steve. He's, Jobs. he's already gone. Yeah, there's a friendly guy. <laughs> no. Uh, By yeah. the way, so Turner, somebody I know, we both a mutual friend of ours at some cocktail party with Turner. This is the kind of a guy he is. And <laughs> he's standing in line at the bar, yeah. and some woman is in front of him yakking to her friend, and so he says, "Hey, are you going to get a drink?" She says, no, I'm just standing here. She says, well, get the fuck out of the way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Hot pocket.
<laughs> I thought he was going to say, well, no, then blow me. No, he just uh, wanted to get to the bar. That is great. Anyway, um, just to kind of, unless you got some other clips, uh, I, I am uh, reading the uh, the president's plan for economic growth and deficit reduction. Do you know what the title of that plan is? Living within our means and investing in the future. No, it's just so we can get by. Yeah, it's living. I like his, at least he's consistent with living, this theme of just getting by. Living within our means, living the American dream. Yes, yeah, just getting by. Really, really. Uh, well, you know, we're, you and I, okay. you and I are not rich by any means. But uh, what is going on here is really wrong. It's really, yeah, I it's, agree. it's really, really, really incredibly wrong. So I have a, something that you may have not noticed that came in over the uh, spreadsheet. Okay. Did you see the billboard in England? Oh, that I, was the $1 donation, right? I, I saw no, the... No, no, uh, no. Oh, no, okay, I didn't. I'm sending it to you. Oh, hold on a second. This right. is a billboard done by the uh, Britain Transport Police, and, and it's an illogical and frightening billboard that's apparently floating around London. Somebody sent us a picture of it. Now, let me read what the billboard says. First, it shows a big family. You, when you read this, you're going to just die. A big family kind of gathering around a little baby. And then it, and the, the text says, a bomb won't go off here because weeks before, the criminal pirating films was caught by monitoring his Internet history. Pirating films funds terrorism and organized crime. Report it today. If you see Confidential something. anti-terrorist hotline. Oh, let's play if this. you see something, say something. Now, I want to ask you, uh, do an Ask Adam and, and ask you, how does somebody pirating, in other words, downloading, because there's the internet related, downloading a movie. Uh-huh. So in other words, I'm getting the movie for free. How is that, how is that somehow... Funding terrorism. How does the where, where's the money coming from? I'm stealing a movie, and that somehow is funding terrorism. Can you explain this to me? I I'm not getting it. I'm looking at the picture right now. A bomb won't go off here because weeks before the criminal pirating films was caught by monitoring his internet history. Well, crikey, you guys are more f than we are. That's crazy. Who uh, yeah. who wrote that? It's the. Uh, I'm trying to see. Is that uh, is that from who who uh, who sponsored this? British Transport Police. They're out of control, man. Leave the island immediately. Leave. You must leave. Yeah. By the way, uh, the big arrest there in the Gitmo Nation East. There apparently we had after Al Qaeda on the Arabian Peninsula. We now have. Al-Qaeda in Birmingham. Yeah, no, yeah, it's being dubbed the most significant counterterrorism operation in the U.K. so far this year. The police are certainly treating it as a pretty big deal. The folks that they are holding in custody... <laughs> the words are great in this. A pretty big deal. Right now are suspected of, in their words... Suspected of, in their words... The police words, commissioning, preparing, and instigating an act of terror. Terror. The police have not yet detailed what that plot is, but that, <laughs> they do admit it was... Probably close to happening. Probably close to happening. These are. This is fantastic. Probably <laughs> close to happening. They went on to say that they felt, and this is a quote, it was necessary to take action to ensure public safety. Now, it is reported that the police believe that... 
It is reported that the police believe from unnamed sources that the terror plot was involved with some kind of al-Qaeda-inspired terrorism, ah, okay. Islamic militancy. There's a, a new report that actually said that these folks were believed to be Islamic militants. Certainly, in another quote, they were tied to international cases rather than <gasps> local cases, although we have to underscore here, uh, Jenna, that there are no ties to any U.S. potential targets as of yet. Those was a crime. It's pre-crime. Pre-crime. Wow. How about going up to those guys and saying, Hey, what are you doing in here? Don't do that. You look like Al-Qaeda when you do that. It's just crazy. So I, my son went up to Seattle. So I said, you get your boarding pass? And he said, yeah. I said, uh... Cause, and it's a one-way ticket because he's going up there and he's going to drive back down. And so uh, I said, you, you packed? He said, I'm not taking any luggage. I said, wait a minute. You're going on the airplane from, o- from Oakland with a one-way ticket and no luggage? Oh, You're going to get pulled over. Like, like the, you know, <laughs> yeah. just bring a bag of it with some books in it. Who cares? <sighs> I mean, this is like, you know, this is because I, I don't know how much the public realizes that this is exactly what, oh, one-way ticket, no luggage. Something's wrong. I was pretty fortunate. Uh, uh, I w- did not go through the naked body scanner on my way to Oakland or on the way back. Do they have it at Burbank? They do not have naked body scanners at Burbank. They do have them at Oakland, and uh, I just went into the line with the magnetometer. You know, it was yeah. easy. It's no problem. Oakland is about, it's a crapshoot going. I haven't gone through the uh, naked body scanner in Oakland. I, I've always gone through the magnetometer, and then I you know, recently went through... Uh, yeah, we know. Yeah. I was uh, going to brag about it. Let's, uh, let's do one more Let Them Eat Cake clip. Because I think this is getting funny. So here's the situation. Uh, right now, uh, the entire world is broke, and by design, absolutely by design. This is and and, and it's all it's all a big um, it's all fantasy. It's all it's all a fiction. It's all about numbers and who owes who, and you know who at the end of the day, all this money is owed to bankers, the same bankers who won't uh, allow media to report on protests at banks. <clears throat> so it's it's all designed to create more political power. And then the rich, who, of course, don't really give a crap because, you know, the only thing you have to do is lie awake at night and think about, you know, which Monet to sell. <laughs> Ted Turner, <laughs> shoot at that guy's head. It's my favorite Monet. <laughs> what a dick. Life was tough that year. I had to sell the Monet. Here comes the shoe, Ted. <laughs> Here's Eric Schmidt from uh, Google. And uh, he's got a, he knows how to fix it all. He's great. What do you say to a 55-year-old guy who's lost his manufacturing job and just doesn't know where to get back into the economy? The issue for somebody like that is often the next job is not going to have the same low level of salary as the previous job, but it's better than nothing. So from the standpoint of employment, <laughs> that's what they should be doing. If there were a national compact about how to get this done, if people agree that it's more important to have new jobs than, and perhaps even low-wage jobs, than no job. Remember, a permanently jobless person in our country is a huge cost to us. They start off looking for a job. After five years, they're depressed. And after 10 years, their medical bills are much higher. It's better for society to have a full job program and to t- take the necessary steps to do this. Germany, for example, three years ago, at the, when they were having trouble, actually, it's shocking. They actually agreed across the board to labor and wage cuts 
to make German the German economy and German manufacturers globally competitive. They now are benefiting from that, and they have a very, very low unemployment rate. Which, by the way, is patently untrue. It is untrue. The people with the low wages in Germany are starving. It's absolutely untrue. And this this guy to say, hey... Shut up, slave. Just take a just take the nine bucks an hour. What's your problem? Take a cut and pay. Take a cut and pay. It's Shut up. Than, better than nothing. <laughs> better and than nothing. Said, by the way, when he says that, I'd like to hear that again because I want to make sure he says nothing, not nothing. Did he say nothing or nothing? Uh, he says nothing. Hold on a second. Um, it's right at the beginning. Yeah, I I had already uh, dumped the clip. Here, I bring it in. It's not a problem. What do you say to a 55-year-old guy who's lost his manufacturing job and just doesn't know where to get back into the economy? The issue for somebody like that is often the next job is not going to have the same level of salary as the previous job, but it's better than nothing. No, so from the standpoint of employment... He says nothing. Yeah. He doesn't no, say he says nothing. No, he says nothing. No, he said nothing. No, he says nothing. The next job is not going to have the same level of salary as the previous job, but it's better than nothing. Nothing. Well, it's in. It's. I'm on the fence there. Nothing. 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 No, nothing. Nothing. No, I think you're wrong. He said nothing. All right. Well, we'll we'll let history decide. So, uh, just one more thing. Well, by the way, the reason I suggest that is because when you say it's better than nothing, it's got it has a kind of a offhanded to it as opposed to a more thoughtful better than nothing you know which is, seems to be more sympathetic i think it's actually anti-sympathetic and almost snide well the whole thing nothing. is the whole thing he's saying well, is anti-sympathetic and snide. He said nothing he said nothing anyway the guy is a dick mm-hmm. yeah he is he's weird very no, I weird think he's, no i think he suffers from the fact that he's so rich that he's completely out of touch with everything uh, I think a lot of these guys in Silicon Valley get that way. They don't. They don't mingle. They're completely shut off from everything, and they get they get <laughs> weird ideas. And the fact that we listen to them give us advice is crazy. I have to sell my Monet. I don't know what to do. My Monet is my favorite Monet. So um, I, I've been paying attention to some polls recently. Um, this is very important. Uh, this is. You know, we, I think we talked about this on the last show. Like, well, are these, you know, why these polls and, you know, it, and the, why do they have multiple news organizations on one poll? And I think it's really intended for one thing, and that's to legitimize the poll. And the big poll that it's, is... the New York Times poll. Well, how more legitimate do you want? Why does it have to be New York Times CBS? How does that make I, it more legitimate? I don't know. I don't know. But right, here's here's the USA Today Gallup poll, which of course you know USA Today is the I believe the most widely read newspaper in the United States, um, and it's a very popular newspaper because it has lots of pretty pictures and it's easy to find the lifestyle section <laughs> and the sports section. It's very easy. It's red sports, and uh, so they did a poll, and it's like everyone's in favor of the Obama plan of taxing the rich. <clears throat> Here it is. Yeah, seriously. As you know, and what I did is I went and got the full results of the poll. This is so it, they didn't exactly report on the results of the poll. Um, here it is. As you know, President Obama has submitted a bill to Congress uh, that inclu- which he has not has not been submitted that includes a number of proposals designed to create jobs in the United States. Please tell whether you favor or oppose each of the following of the proposals: uh, providing tax cuts for small businesses in favor, eighty five percent. Uh, let's just uh, cut straight to the chase. 
by the way, it doesn't represent the bill at all because it talks about providing additional funds to hire teachers, police officers, and, and firefighters, 75%. Yeah, who wouldn't say yes to that? Giving tax breaks to companies hiring people who have been unemployed for more than six months, 73%, of course, provided, providing additional funds. And then the, they go down to the... Uh, you know, taxing the rich. Uh, here it is. Please tell me whether you favor or oppose each of the following proposals President Obama has made to pay for the cost of the job bill. Increasing taxes on some corporations by eliminating certain tax deductions, 70%. Increasing income taxes on individuals earning at least $200,000 and families earning at least 250000 66%. So the headline is, everyone loves it! But then... <laughs> but then... Question number 18, based on what you know or have read about the bill, which would be nothing, do you think it would help improve the economy or not help improve the economy? So here we go. No opinion, 4%. Uh, Help a lot, 23%. Help a little, 37%. Not help, 36%. In other words, people don't think it's going to work. They don't think yeah, it's going to well, work. probably because it's not going to work. No, but but that's not reported. No, no, of course that, not. That's what's so amazing. But you heard it here on your No Agenda show, and that is what we do for a living. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. To get a few people uh, donating this week, including uh, Joe Cool Design in Princeton, Ontario, $111.11. Kevin Smith in Sunnyvale, a new donor. I appreciate $100. I appreciate how you guys read between the lines and deconstruct the news. Sometimes it seems that all the news is just PR. Yeah. You know. Well, there we just. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what we've been saying. John Vale, Pennsburg, Pennsylvania, $82.90. No comment. Uh, Thomas Starkweather, Brooklyn. $66. Dear John and Adam, your show has provided endless hours of entertainment and inter- of enlightenment and entertainment. It'll be a lot harder to get through the week without it, or at least more confusing and infuriating having to settle for some pro-establishment Randy Carvin NPR <laughs> IV by, drip. By the way, by the way, so many people are now tweeting Andy Carvin and saying, hey, Randy, <laughs> hey, Randy, how come you're reporting on the on the, the Texas execution, but not on the Wall Street uh Protests, but they're saying Randy, which is I like Randy. It's hilarious, <laughs> Randy. Keep Randy. that up. Keep that up. Yeah, it's, yeah, Randy, that's code. That's our code. So when we see that, then we know. Yeah, people we know. Are yeah, then we know. Randy. I don't always agree with everything you guys say, but I also can't find a better news analysis show out there. My job often brings me right into the forefront of mass distraction and meme propagation. Recently, I was involved in propagating the biodiversity meme. Ooh. The experience made me feel sick, and I could hear that catchy jingle (laughs) playing as I looked around the room at all the smug elite smiles. Let's play the jingle for you. Hopefully this confession slash donation will absolve me of my guilt. I also could really use some karma to help me find a better job so that one day I may be able to propagate the formula rather than the elitist memes. Also, you can send any uh, revealed memes uh, to noagendaphoto.com. Hit him with a, with a karma. Absolutely. Here you go. You've got karma. 
and that's uh, $66. Um, Patrick Harvey, $65 from Surrey, British Columbia. I've been listening for over a year now. I've been listening after Adam was on Twit last year, last year August. Really? That's how long ago it was. I have not been invited Now No back. Agenda is the only podcast it will not miss. and is my only source of news. I'm currently attending the Coast Guard College oh. and unfortunately cannot contribute more as a starving student. But I have had some money sitting in my PayPal account. Thought I would catch up and also add a $5 Great. a month subscription since I started listening. I will continue with the $5 a month going forward. Please give me a de-douching and some karma as a double. I have a huge move just south of Alaska upon graduating. All right, here you go. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Now that's tight. Uh, Justin Seitz in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is 5601. This should make my total contribution to 111111 11.11. I take offense to JCD's knock that C2C guests are crazy. Oh, coast to coast. I think John should go on C2C to talk about his cycles theory. <laughs> well, there you have it. Which I hope would be usurped by the man and Hopi cycles ending. If Adam goes on, he should uh, talk about MK Ultra. I would take a shot of Karma and WTC7 won't go away from my uncle who experienced cognitive dissonance after watching Loose Change and American Coup. Which is another one. karma. Tight. Tight once again. Adios, mofos, he says. <laughs> Chris Schooler, Laurie Bay, Wellington, 5555. John and Adam curse me that we forget sometimes what is valuable and what is just frivolous spending. Here's what I would have spent on a ticket to see a Rugby World Cup game being held in New Zealand at present. New Zealand, $70, biggest distraction of the year. I think some of our other listeners should reevaluate what they consider valuable and donate. Yes. Still working up to knighthood and getting by on one income. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Squirrel. Hey, um, uh, just, if Justin is up to 11-11-11, how come he's not on the knight list? He's already a knight. Oh, so, of course, Sir Justin. I'm sorry. I'm just looking out for the knights. That's all. Kelly Spungberg. Black, Black knight. knight. Kelly. Yeah. To you. Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. 5555. Karma shout out from Sir Kelly to my 15-year-old stepson, Zach. His schoolmate died from cancer last oh, week, we and all his friends cancer. are understandably full of grief. All right, for everyone there, here's some here's some good karma for you. You've got karma. Yeah, that sucks. I've seen that happen. The kids get really messed up by that stuff. Also, an anonymous uh, plea for karma. Oh. You, you just throw one out for whoever. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Anonymous, absolutely anonymous. Anytime. You've got karma. Joe the Dish Slave in Stockton, California. The Dish Slave here with double nickels on a dime for you guys. The 22nd is a big day for Mrs. Dish Slave and I. Our fourth wedding anniversary. My wife, Sam, is an absolutely amazing woman. I'm lucky to have her with me. No matter what insanity happens from day to day, please give a shout out for my podcast, The Ozone Nightmare, and fire some karma out for all those who have not found their own Mr. or Mrs. Dish Slave. In fact, I'm going to add this and make it a double shot for her. No. That's one mother I'd like to. You've got karma. Tight again. New donor uh, Kevin McDowell in Lewisburg, Kansas. A longtime listener, first-time donor. Sorry for being a douchebag boner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sorry, too. Here's double nickels on the dime for all your hard work. Uh, all right. Give him a de-douching while we move Absolutely. on. <laughs> You've been de-douched. Sergey Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov in Ladera Ranch, California. Thank you for a long time listener. Double Nickels on the Dime last show just reassured me that your model of value for value is the only way to keep it 
sincere and honest. Wendell That's Smith, Wyndham, Minnesota, Soton, uh, $55. Bradley Serbu in Naples, Florida, $50. Daniel Austin, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, guys, I decided to take a week off from the Wii <laughs> and would like to donate the money to the show instead. <laughs> we'll smoke it. We'll smoke Thank it for you. Thank you, Daniel. $50 from you. Amen. Uh, Greg Amen. Steerly, awesome, Santa Monica. Dude. Thank you. John Lake, Sacramento. Paul Vela, Towchester, North Hampshire. Northamptonshire. Hamptonshire, UK, $50, all $50. Uh, we want to thank them and everyone else who donated lesser amounts uh, for uh, all the help they've given us this week. And please continue to do so at noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA, no, channeldvorak.com uh, slash NA, and noagendanation.com where you can get the slave t-shirt. Which is uh, bitchin'. <laughs> So, yeah, no, thank you all very much. You're doing great work. Uh, as always, it really warms my heart to see people. Not, it's not just the, the, the donations, which, of course, are incredibly important because that's how we pay bills. I do nothing else except boring board meetings. I do that twice a year. Well, there you go. Uh, so all I'm doing is this. And uh, John writes a couple columns, but, he, you know, he's got like 18 kids. And the way you can help us is very simple. Dvorak.org slash N-A. I will say that uh, I'm very happy at the end of last uh, week's show. I uh, said, hey, if you've been listening for two and a half hours and you're listening live on the stream, you should donate $10. And four people did it. So I noticed. That's four. That's yeah. 1%. Yeah, great. Good work. <laughs> I mean, you really sold them on that idea. It, I'm going to try it again at the end of this show. <laughs> I, I, I was going straight down the spreadsheet to $10. Like, hey, four. All right, that really worked. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we highly appreciate that. But it is uh, it is great. And we also, of course, will accept checks. Uh, if you go to Dvorak.org slash NA, uh, you can find uh, the address. Uh, we'll take you. Banks apparently can send them automatically. Yeah, banks have a program of installment payments you can sign up for, and they will just send us a check to the post office box every month or every week or however you want to do it. And it's, it's, it, it seems to work very well for a lot of people. And, uh, and it was, it was kind of cool when uh, I saw John in San Francisco. Uh, I got in the car. He wastes me like a pimp outside. And, uh, and then of course, we immediately had to stop to see if his tire was flat. <laughs> it's like we, we both had the same kind of car. <laughs> Tires like bald and going flat and stuff. Uh, and he whips out uh, a coin. And uh, you didn't. I'm actually a little upset that you didn't give me the, the note because it was sent to the P.O. box. Do you have it there by any chance, the note for the uh, coin? It's downstairs. I can read it on the next show if you're in. Or I can get it, send it to you if you want the note. It's an anonymous note from a guy named, calling himself Garth or something. And it's like it was packaged in some way. There's no really traceable where it came from. And the guy mentions that, you know, that uh, some people on the inside are listening. And uh, here's, a, here's a coin to make up for the old coin you lost. And it's a, and it was it's a, a CIA challenge coin. It's a CIA challenge coin. Right from the souvenir shop in Langley. So, uh, by the way, that, that is, you know, so I, I come home, I show it to Miss Mickey. And she says, I'm getting goosebumps. And by the way, how come I didn't get a challenge coin? You didn't lose he one. He one specifically for you. Yeah, well, I got I'll zip. tell you I got, why. I got, I'll tell you why if you wait for a second. 
And by the way, Andrew Grummet said that you wouldn't accept the coin because you know there's a listening device. Well, inside. this is exactly what Miss Mickey said. She, <laughs> so I come home. She says, I, I just got goosebumps. I said, why? I said, well, because look at the awesome work you guys are doing. You have actual people on the inside of these these companies who are really part of your your army. And she says, that's really, you have to understand the impact of the show on uh, on people who can actually make a difference when it's needed. So I'll take that, and I like that. And then she said, but I don't think you should keep it on you. <laughs> she said, it's a targeting device for the drones. <laughs> or it could be something that could have a small explosive inside. <laughs> who knows? It's heavy. <laughs> who knows? It's P-E-T-N very heavy. It could have all kinds of gear in there. org slash N-A. Joanne Thompson says happy birthday to John Thompson. He turns 22 tomorrow on the 23rd. Happy birthday, uh, John. And John Dvorak. Buzzkill Jr. Turns 22 today. Happy birthday, Buzzkill Jr. Thank you all for the work you do from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. We love you so much. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I chopped his head off. Doesn't turn 22. Where does it say that? On the 22nd, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's what, gonna, yeah. How old is he? He's, he's, he's older than 22, but I'm not going to say because I think now is the time you want to start lying about your age. you got to start early. <laughs> get in early. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's uh, grab grab our blades. Uh, can you get your Swiss Army knife there, John, just for a second? We can... Douglas Garul. And if we mispronounce it, you'll let us know. We'll change that. And Joe Cool Design, step forward, extend your fingers, and kneel. Both of you have exceeded the giving level of $1,000 to the best podcast in the world, The No Agenda Show. Hereby entering the exclusive club of the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable, I hereby name thee Sir Douglas Garul and Sir Joe Cool Design, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable, hookers and blow, rent boys and chardonnay, and hot pants and booze right here for you. Thank you. And for those of you who have not received a ring yet, uh, if you are a Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable, we've had to put in a new order because, uh, of course, sizes is a problem. That was a, a, a thinking mistake. We made a mistake in thinking about well, this. Well, the, you know. the, the, the normal sizing uh, spread, this, the spectrum of sizes, apparently doesn't match our listeners. <laughs> in the future, we should probably have more better accuracy when we make the order. Stand but by, John. John, John, stop. Before we get another batch. John? Stand back. We have a news flash. There is news. The war is over. John, the war is over. It's over. It yes, what? the war is over. We're, we have a war? Rejoice. The war is over. What the Andromeda Council says, says to us are three things. Oh, brother. Number one, that the war with the Orion Gray and Draco reptilian extraterrestrials has been won. <laughs> Number two, that the Earth is now in the process of dimensional shift to a new light-filled fourth dimension. And number three, that a period of Earth changes with associated large celestial bodies is coming. The Andromeda War with the Greys is over. Yeah. This is good news. I heard that through the grapevine. (laughs) We've defeated them. Yeah, the Greys. This is, uh, yeah. Tom, uh, I'm going to meet a gray one of these like some years yeah, back so, yeah, in the early days of the show. So this is uh, yes, I have. No, it yes. was a, it was a tall blonde actually, not a gray. 
Yeah, um, we, yeah but but this is really good news, uh, and uh, I have uh, this is just a headline, so I'm uh, I'll be uh, getting the full report after the show, and I will be reporting on that uh, Sunday. So war is over. The Greys have been defeated by the Andromeda Council. Um, so w- just going back to the CIA thing for a second, um, I'm very pleased what is happening. And a, a big part of this, of course, is me having my own mail server. It's no longer going through Google uh, and having uh, PGP encryption. I am now receiving documents from assistance to members of parliament in Gitmo Nation East. And uh, I've been asked not to mention which member of parliament uh, and obviously not who sent this to me. But this is a... I would think. Yeah. <laughs> and we respect that anonymity. Oh, yeah. But this is a um, this is a note about HPV vaccinations and Gardasil, and um, what this uh, great human resource told me is be on the lookout for lots of PR about Gardasil. And uh, so here is uh, turns out the Department of Health is currently evaluating tenders for the supply of a vaccine for the human papilloma virus, HPV, vaccination program. So just so this tells us a couple of things. That the, uh, the government of the United Kingdom's Gitmo Nation East is going to start injecting everyone. It'll be girls and boys. We know that they're on the boys' track as well. And uh, there are two vaccines that are being considered one is Cerverix that is from um, let's see who makes Cerverix it doesn't say that may be Merck how do you spell it S-E-R-V-A-R-I-X and the other one is Gardasil and uh, the committee considered whether either of the two licensed vaccines should be recommended in preference over the other both currently available vaccines protect against the HPV types that cause, and here they are, they're saying it in their documentation, the, that cause over 70% of all cervical cancers, 70%, so it's not like a cure. And one vaccine also protects against HPV type 6 and 11 that cause around 90% of all genital warts. HPV vaccines are subunit vaccines, and here's, here's what, this is amazing information made from the major protein of the viral coat or capsid of HPV. But it turns out that this is synthetic. They've actually made a synthetic version of the virus, and they, and they put that into the vaccine. Which sounds kind of funky to me. Here it is. This is a VLP. VLPs mimic the structure of the natural virus, but do not contain any viral DNA because they are virus-like particles. So I read this, that they have created a cancer virus that they say looks like something, and they're actually injecting our children with that. But anyway, the bottom line here is that you should be on the lookout for a lot of pro and con PR between Cerverix and Gardasil, to see who's going to win the contract. And I want all of our uh, No Agenda Militia and Human Resources to be on the lookout for it because you're going to see this heated up big time. 
to go for the big government contract of this vaccine, which uh, doesn't even cure everything and probably has uh, injured, if not killed, lots of children. And I'm very appreciative of our human resource for sending that uh, to me. So uh, I've got a clip that is kind of interesting. A professor at um, one of the Washington, D.C. universities was on book TV. On C-SPAN, too. C-SPAN, of course. Mm-hmm. So he listened to too much, too much. And he dropped this little bomb. And this is a, he starts talking about the opium trade, and he's referring to opium poppies specifically. Uh, and, there's a, and he brings up a little historical tidbit which I know you'll find highly amusing because it fits in right with our whole our schema of how the world operates. But uh, see if you can catch the little gem in this little commentary about opium in Afghanistan. The incubator for a certain type of crop, which we now know, is opium. So it's important. Kind of an interesting story that Afghanistan had never been able to produce opium prior to 1950 when a U.S. aid development project acidifies the soil such as to make this a productive area for opium. (laughs) Wait a minute. They didn't even grow opium there? Not until 1950, until the U.S. AID folks came along and said, you know, know, I got an idea. idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's clip of the day, John. I'm giving you that one. That's great. They didn't even. Oh my goodness! This will work out great. I haven't, and then we'll come in and we'll protect it. Wow, that is uh, that's pretty awesome. Just a pH. (laughs) So it's just a pH issue with the soil. (laughs) Yeah, we just had a little more nitrogen in there, and we're all good to go. Wow, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, I don't have much either. I mean, we can do a little more research and just confirm it, but sounds good to go. I mean, sounds sh- right. Shouldn't we USAID, be AID? Perfect. Yeah, and, and that's under uh, Secretary of State, right? Who was Secretary of State in 1951? I think it was John Foster. Or Hold on a second. Foster Dulles, John Foster Dulles. Must have been some shill. No, I said it was what's his name. His brother was. These are the guys that started the CIA, by the way. Coincidentally, uh-huh. uh huh. Let's see, uh-huh. Secretary. I think not. Secretary of State, nineteen fifty-one. That's how I'm going to do my search. Let's see what comes up. Well, you said nineteen fifty, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, Dean Atchison. Uh, Dean Atchison. Atchison. Yes, and who was Dean Atchison? Who was that? He was a uh, another. He was a government stooge. I don't know who was Dean Atchison. He was a famous Secretary of State. I never heard of the guy. Oh, of course not. He was in 1950. Yeah, well, but he was he, he looked, 60, 60 plus years ago. Let's see what he uh, his most fi- famous decision was convincing President Truman to intervene in the Korean War. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good guy. <laughs> good. Oh, he was also the. Uh, Responsible for the Marshall Plan. He helped design the Marshall Plan, which was, you know, basically rebuilding these countries. And he also, he was preceded by George Marshall and then succeeded by John Foster Dulles. Oh, he was the CIA guy, Dulles, one of the Dulles brothers. He's the guy who started the modern CIA. Yes. And so it makes nothing but sense because our take on things is that Afghanistan opium from the get-go is uh, controlled by our government. So, this, this it kind of falls into place in some large scheme of things. It's Drone Nation. 
donation time. Don't you mean donation time? He means Adam's got another story about drones. That's right. While everyone is looking at the Muffin Man... We are building drones in Africa. Fox News alert now. The U.S. expanding its drone program. And get this, U.S. defense officials say part of an escalating campaign on what uh, might be the newest front against al-Qaeda. Steve Santani's on this story. Now, which countries are of concern and how long has the U.S. been working on this, Steve? Well, Bill, the U.S. A U.S. official tells Fox News it's been more than a year that this has been in the works. Uh, two important factors coming together here. The, the growing threat from al-Qaeda in Yemen and Somalia mm. and the growing effectiveness and importance of unmanned drone aircraft. <laughs> According to this U.S. official that we talked to, the preferred location for a drone base was Ethiopia, but that took time to arrange. In the meantime, we began flying drone missions from a base in the Seychelles Islands. And now the newest piece in all this, a base in Saudi Arabia. The base in Ethiopia is aimed primarily at the Somali militant group Al-Shabaab, but this system of bases will effectively cover the entire Horn of Africa and Arabian Peninsula. You know, we, we've covered... <laughs> this is awesome. Wait, let's, let's get this down. You have the Seychelles, which is a beautiful place, Yeah, and they're, they're putting drone, a drone base there? Well, the Seychelles, of course, was wiped out um, due to flooding. And I think that you know, now I'm thinking like, hey, let's wipe this place out with a little bit of uh, scalar weaponry. Let's uh, throw some water on that so then we can rebuild a base there with, that we're building drones on. And then what was the other places? One was Somalia, Saudi Arabia? Somalia and Saudi Arabia. So there's going to be a base in Somalia? I think that's what he said. No, I don't think so. I think it was for, to attack Somalia. Effectiveness and importance of unmanned drone aircraft. According to this U.S. official that we talked to, the preferred location for a drone base was Ethiopia, but that oh, took Ethiopia. time to arrange. In the meantime, it took time to arrange. We had to kill some people. There were too many damn Ethiopians. I had to clear out the runway for the drones. Time we began flying drone missions from a base in the Seychelles Islands, and now the newest piece in all this, a base in Saudi Arabia. Saudi the Arabia. base in Ethiopia right. is aimed primarily at the Somali militant group oh, Al-Shabaab, right. Al but this system of bases will effectively cover the entire Horn of Africa and Arabian Peninsula. You know, this is great. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud. It's so great. Well, it's good that they're state. You know, it saves a lot of money on gas. <laughs> you know, I uh, I got picked up by Tony the terrorist. Oh yeah, oh in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, my guy Tony the terrorist. And yeah, I, he's your inside man. He's my inside man, and uh, so I asked him about Libya and uh, Yemen specifically. Oh, I wish you would have asked him about Cyprus and Syria. You know, it's it's only a thirty minute cab ride. <laughs> it's so hard. Syria, uh, he said. Uh, what do you say about Syria? Well, let me just tell you what I remember. Libya. He uh, and and Tony, of course, is a terrorist. He's um, uh, he's a tra he's a, he he drives a cab and he's a translator for uh, insurance companies. And he's here. I think he's in the states. Yeah, I think all cab drivers are terrorists in some <laughs> sense. And I think he's here illegally. Uh, uh, the, the FBI keeps uh, offering him a job. Mossad or something for all you know. Who knows, right? But uh, he says, okay, Gaddafi, he said, this guy is an idiot. So he says, this was about two things. He says, one, it was BP. And, and, and Tony's from Jordan. So he, 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 understand, he understands the region. Let's put it that way. He says, it was about BP where most countries do a uh, an 80 a 90-10 split with the oil company, so 10% will go to the host country. Except for Saudi Arabia, he says, they, they get an 80-20. But Gaddafi said to BP, he said, look, 
We're going to turn it around. You give us 80, we'll give you 20 or bring in the Chiners in. So we knew that, right? You and I had deconstructed that early on, that that was the problem with the Chiners. But he says there was something else. The reason why the French are in is because Gaddafi had done a $40 billion weapons deal with the French. The weapons show up. It turns out it's all refurbished. And Gaddafi, the old refurbished problem. Yeah. And Gaddafi went, "I'm not paying for that. This I is refurbished. New. This is refurbished crap. I don't want refurbished. <laughs> it say refurbished on the on the website. <laughs> I had, I was pissing my pants. It was refurbished. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that's a problem. And instead of Gaddafi saying, you know, well, here I'll give you twenty billion for the for your refurbished crap, your reloads, <laughs> effectively, uh, he he just said, screw it, I'm not paying anything. So so that was the that's why the British and the French uh, jumped into that. Now Yemen. Um, so I said, you know, what's the deal with the techno experts in Yemen? He said, no, Adam, listen, listen, this is real. But we don't understand. So if you look at Randy Carvin's tweets, right, there's all like the martyrs and all of this and the, the wave of democracy sweeping across the nation and all this bull crap. He says you have to understand there are hundreds of tribes in Yemen. And uh, there's essentially there's uh, the two main tribes are the Ret, which uh, are actually uh, connected through the uh, Rothschilds, which, of course, stands for Red Shield, Rothschilds, Red and then you have the Hachette. And he, he, it's very hard for anyone in the, in the West to comprehend this. But the Hachette is uh, basically a conglomeration of hundreds of tribes. And uh, Salam, the, you know, the guy who's uh, currently the, uh, uh, the president there, who, uh, by the way, is illiterate, according to Tony the Terrorist. The guy absolutely cannot read. He's illiterate. Uh, he was kind of pushed to the forefront. It's like, okay, you be the president. And these tribes go back thousands of years. And they, and this guy has just abused his position. And that's why you see, actually, I have a, the BBC did a good, pretty good report, but we don't understand it. See, we don't understand how these tribal feuds work. And, uh, what's happening is, you know, there's, there's tribes who, multiple tribes make up the military. And and there are 60 million guns in Yemen, as we've discussed. Everyone has guns. Everybody in Yemen has a gun, but like serious hardware, not like a Glock or just an AR-15. You know, people got all kinds of stuff because they love their guns. And so it's basically tribal warfare. They're all just shooting each other up. As you listen to this report, you can actually kind of understand that. But that has nothing to do with Arab Spring and whatever other bull crap and martyrs that Randy, Randy Corvin is retweeting. Uh, is it your sense that the violence is escalating there? Definitely. This is the worst we've seen since the start of the revolution. Uh, it's not a revolution. Woken up today around 4 a.m. by heavy explosions. And they've continued uh, until now. I still hear them. Uh, they have not stopped uh, in addition to uh, gunshots, uh, machine guns. Uh, this comes after two days of uh, very violent attacks on protesters. Uh, for the first time, RPGs and heavy artillery were used against pro-democracy activists that were unarmed. Pro-democracy, it's bullcrap. It has nothing to do with pro-democracy. In addition, of course, to the usual uh, snipers so and water So who is this woman? She's someone with a with a scarf with on a her phone. head. Yeah, with a scarf on her head. Uh, is, 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 
Right. Oh. Is, it also, is it also made worse by the fact that the army now seems to be fighting within itself? Yes, uh, well, today's attack started when the Republican Guards shelled the military base of the 1st Brigade, which is the defected the military uh, that uh, uh, defected in March uh, and joined the protesters. Uh, okay, so what's happening is, uh, yeah, there are people who are protesting. I mean, we got protesters. We got protesters on yeah, Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah. Uh, Bring in the drones. But they're being, they're caught in between warring tribes. And if you don't understand, I, we, I still don't understand it, but he explained it to me as best he could. But he says, you know, just like horses, he says, you know, in, in, uh, in the Middle East, your, your lineage is extremely important. And they, and they, they trace this back hundreds, if not thousands of years to understand what part of a, what tribe you belong to. And this, you know, and stuff gets explosive and, you know, let them all kill each other. It's great. They got guns. But we should not be in there pretending like it's the Arab Spring and this wave of democracy and like we have to go and help, which I haven't seen a resolution for it, by the way. So I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but the well, I'm sure that our our people have a clue. That's except it's just the media that's that's making this crap up. Well, they, yes, uh, and the, so either they are totally stupid or they're making it up with an agenda, which is just not quite uh, been revealed yet. Well, the agenda could be just nothing more than just, you know, creating a smoke screen and nothing to see here moment. But I'm another th- one. But I'm thinking uh, I've got to get uh, Tony the terrorist on it. I got to interview him on the stream. Just you know, just for you got to hear this guy explain it. Yeah, no, I would like to hear if you could do an hour with him. Easily, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here, here's how it goes. Tony, what's going on in uh, in uh, in the Middle East? And then I, that's it. And then your hour starts from there. Just let him talk. <laughs> well, I want to hear about the Syria, which, you know, as we know, we saw this. I predicted this when the New York Times did that one peculiar story out of the blue, that the Syria thing would be taken off the front off the, page. Off the table, right. Completely. Right. But there's still something about Syria's relationship to Cyprus and the Russians that we don't know and, and we're not getting. I'm not getting. I'm looking. Well, would you would you be would you be open to uh, doing the call with Tony the terrorist together so that we can because you know you have questions, I have questions. And I, yeah, I could do that. We could do a double uh, triangulation. We could do a trio. Yeah, I could ask him a couple of things. If he's willing to do it, I mean... Yeah, he'll do it. As long as we don't identify him by his real name, name just Tony the Terrorist. Yeah, Tony the Terrorist is good. It's a good name. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tony the Terrorist. You need to jingle. <laughs> and here's Tony. And, Tony. and now, everybody, it's Tony the Terrorist. His name is Tony. He's a terrorist. I mean, that's to be something snappy like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Hakani are getting a lot of free marketing. Have you noticed this? No. Now, what, what, back back up on this. So we, you know, the Haqqani are. Uh, so we have the Al Shabaab. We've got the Al Qaeda's. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Haqqani's now are getting some free marketing. So I think something is going to happen with with the Haqqani's. Here's a clip. Our biggest concern right now is to put as much pressure as possible on the Pakistanis to exercise control from their side of the border. Uh, we, we've, we've continued to state that this cannot happen. We cannot have the Akhani's coming across the border, attacking our forces, attacking Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistanis, and then disappearing back into a safe haven. That is not tolerable. Uh, and we have urged them to take steps. 
not tolerable. So, you know, what is the U.S. going to do about it? Well, uh, it is well known that the CIA, for example, already operates drone attacks on the Pakistani side of the border. Look for them to st- step up operations against the Haqqanis. Why is this front and center right now? Yesterday, of course, uh, the former president of, of Afghanistan, Barnahunan Rabbani, who currently heads the peace effort to reconcile with the Taliban, was assassinated in his home by suicide bombers right in one of the most secure areas of Kabul. They are looking at the possibility the Haqqanis were involved in the Rabbani assassination. And as we were showing pictures a minute ago, just last week, the Haqqanis said to be responsible for the attacks against the U.S. Embassy and ISAF headquarters that led troops to have to be on the roof of the military headquarters with their rifles firing back. So the Haqqanis now really considered almost public enemy number one in Ah, the war in Afghanistan. There you go, public enemy number one, survey says. So I think, uh, yeah, to me it sounds like there's a Pentagon move to focus attention away from uh, uh, al-Qaeda and the Taliban to the Haqqaners. Huh, interesting. I'll look at this. It's weird, right? Yeah, something's up. I mean, when this stuff comes out like that, and she, this is yeah, a Pentagon no, no, correspondent, a she's even she's basically even saying it. She's just standing there and saying it. <clears throat> so, uh, political... Uh, actually, I pulled a couple of quotes because I do want to talk about uh, Europe for a moment because we still have, you have a little bit of time left. Well, I got a couple of things we got to get to before you. Well, go ahead. No, I'll, I'll look up my uh, European quotes and uh, what do you got? Well, there's a couple of things going on that needs to be uh, discussed. One, you, we missed out on the Emmys. <laughs> uh, I watched them. You uh, okay? That's enough. And <laughs> I do have some disgusting red carpet blather if you want to get sick, but I think we'll put that off. Um, we can't ignore the fact that the two. Uh, the two will play the release from Iran clip. Oh, the hikers. Yes, the hikers. Yes. The it's, hikers who, fi- who found that. Well, play, uh, well, play, play this. Clip, I got yeah. two clips. Smiles, tears, and a long kiss between Shane and Sarah Shore, his fiance and fellow prisoner, until one year ago this week. We are so happy we are free and so relieved we are free. Two years in prison is too long. Too long for the families as well. And he lasted 781 days, and we couldn't be more proud. And you lasted 781 days. And so did Shane. 781 days in Iran's most notorious prison. One month on hunger strike, protesting their detention. A total of just 15 minutes in phone calls home. And just one face-to-face visit in Iran. One million dollars in bail. Yeah, one million dollars. What does the CIA agent work? Oh, well, I actually have a clip about where the money came from. Play that, and then I want to talk about a couple of things, especially the comment of the mom, who, by the way, this the, the plane took off from, I guess, it's a, it's a Omani plane. It took off from Iran that's, and that's, landed that's in where Oman. The, that's and where the, the money number, came from. The whole family was in Oman, and so was everybody, all the relatives and everybody were there. I don't know who forwarded the, I mean, it's not cheap to fly there, So, the, but they flew everybody there for this photo ops. And the mom <laughs> said, uh, you know, he was in jail for was 780 days or whatever it was, and she said, I couldn't be more proud well, why would she be proud of that? Because, you know, it's patriotic, CIA. As, as opposed to saying, exactly, as opposed to saying, I'm so happy he's home. 
I mean, I would say I'm so happy he's back. No, I'm so proud he was there for so long. What? No, here's uh, the Oman bit. We're here in Muscat, Oman, is that last year when Sarah Shord, the third hiker, when she was released on humanitarian grounds after bail had been posted, her first stop out of Tehran was to come to Muscat, Oman, and that was because Omani government officials had posted that $500,000 in bail that guaranteed her release. Uh, a lot of speculation has been mounting that once the hikers uh, leave Iran, <laughs> that they will come here to Muscat, Oman, uh, as did Sarah Shord last year. A lot of speculation that their families are here in Oman, but Omani government officials right now just aren't commenting or confirming uh, those reports. Hey, Mohammed, uh, where, where do we think this bail money came from? Is it the Omani government themselves? Is it a conduit? And, and why is the Omani government involved in this? Yeah. Well, Ali, Oman is seen as a diplomatic rarity in the region because they have good relations with both Iran and the U.S. Uh, and Oman, at a time when there is uh, so much strife in this region, uh, they're trying to raise their profile. Uh, they've been seen as a very low-key country on the world stage, and especially in this region. Uh, and they see, uh, as we've heard from analysts, that at a time when there is so much strife in the Middle East, if they can do something to try to mediate a dispute between geopolitical powers like Iran and the U.S., it'll raise their profile, it'll make them look better better on the world stage and it will decrease tension here in the region yeah right oh crap yeah of course it's uh, cia agents these guys look they don't look like hikers well we've already determined this when we saw the coincidence between those women that were captured in north korea uh all the university of california berkeley and then these guys from the university of california berkeley and they don't look like hikers indeed and what you know? There's a lot of places to hike in the world that are a lot more interesting than. Well, play my second clip, and you can hear this little. Oh, they were. Nobody ever said that they were spies. It's impossible. What's they the clip? were just hikers. What's the clip? It's the second clip. It says uh, no. hiking in Iraq, Iraq, Kurdistan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, didn't really have any benefit. They didn't achieve anything. So when all is said and done, Karim Sajapur, U.S.-Iran relations, any different, any better off, worse off, the same as a result of all Well, this? they're worse off, unfortunately. And I think that, you know, this has really further tarnished Iran's international reputation. There's a new BBC poll out which says that Iran has now eclipsed North Korea as the least liked nation in the world. <laughs> and I saw uh, even on, on Facebook, a young Iranian was um, commenting, and he said that, you know, what's sad about this is that these two young men never got to experience kind of the richness of Iranian culture, Iran's ancient <laughs> history, uh, the warmth of the Iranian people. All they saw was the inside of Evin prison, and now they're leaving. And I think this really further isolates Iran internationally. Does anyone think they were actually spying, as the Iranian government said? No, I don't think anyone thinks they were actually spying. And the fact that the Iranian regime never wanted to try them publicly, they never pr produced the a shred of evidence, I think, um, uh, reveals the fact that, you know, they, they, they were doing what they said they were doing, which was hiking in, in Iraqi Kurdistan. How did they get yeah. there? How do you get to... Uh, you go uh, through a minefield. Yeah. How do you, you, get you, there? Hike, you get through uh, a minefield and then you get all kinds of permissions. You probably talk to one too many Iraqis who, who tipped off the Iranians, probably some station guys. And the next thing you know, you're after you get to the minefield so you can go hiking, uh, because there's no place to hike in the United States, for God's sake. I mean, the Rocky Mountains, the uh, those great Smoky Mountains. There's a million things that places you can go and do and see and uh, real hiking. But you'd rather go to some place where you don't know the flora, you don't know the fauna, you don't know what's going to bite you in the ass when you're just sleeping at night, and you, that's where you're going to go hiking because that makes nothing but sense. 
And so, yeah, no, they weren't spying. Uh, and by the way, when you look at them, if you're hiking, do you carry long pants with you? Because they're all wearing long pants and they're not wearing hiking shoes. You'd expect hikers to come out of jail wearing their hiking pants and their hiking gear and maybe have a I backpack be with long them. pants if I'm hiking. Now, you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even, would you bring long pants? If you're hiking, if you're hiking, you're going to get all scratched up. Otherwise, mm. depends on where you're hiking. <laughs> what are you going to go? What do you go hiking naked? I mean, what are you what are you driving at? I don't think they look like hikers is what I'm saying. Well, I don't think that they, they, I don't think they are hikers. Duh. But, you know, and why would you why would you, this is like a screwball thing to do to begin with. And then they have all this, you know, here's $500,000 to get the girl out. And here's another million to get. So it's five hundred dollars, five hundred thousand dollars ahead. So every person costs five hundred thousand dollars, and this is just they soften it by calling it bail. How's it bail? Because the woman, why don't they go grab her and she she jump bail? She was dying of cancer. No, she was she having a baby. Oh, I thought and it was the, a cancer thing. I thought she was having a baby and they had to get her out of there. Whatever the case is, is do these guys get picked up for jumping bail? I mean, no. This is just a, a straight up and out bribe. The whole thing is just <laughs> bogus. A, 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 a mess. <laughs> and when, you know what gets me is they had a, on the C-SPAN show, they had one of these guys who isn't over, who wrote the book Syriana. And we, we, I, we played the clip. And the guy, oh, he's a CIA guy. He's worked for the CIA, still probably does. And he, wa- he went to Iran, but he went in the front door. <laughs> and, you know, you could probably do that. But they, they figure, well, there's going to be people watching. There must be something going on in those mountains that these kids really had to take a picture of or they had to hmm. get some evidence. I don't know what they were up to. Who knows? We'll never find hmm. out. But this whole thing is suspicious. That's an interesting point. What's in the mountains? What's going on there? Yeah, yeah in that that's area. A good, that's a good point. Have we ever seen a good map of where they were? And, you know, is Google Satellite covering it? I mean, what's the no, deal? No, no, A uh, little intermezzo, a little, little bit of fun. The uh, what's the what what's the girl's name the on Morning Joe she's uh, Brzezinski's yeah. daughter her yeah hold on yeah. all right Tom Brokaw thank you very much for uh, thank you Tom on the show with us Rob will you hang around I will do that why not coming up Simon Hobbs is standing next to a giant pile of cash oh, that's right. where are you Simon I'm I'm, I'm I'm coming. Uh, what's <laughs> She's coming. Yeah, I heard Cause, that. Because the big bale of cash. <laughs> Just I'm like coming. her dad. I'm coming. Stand back. I'm coming for your yeah, big, right. bi- big pile of cash. We both got that thing in the email showing all the, you know, the federal program for slave labor through the prison system. Yeah. So, you know, we realized that, you know, they're basically looking for any excuse to lock people up because we need the, the cheap labor. Right. Uh, but some of these federal crimes are pretty dubious. We talked about this, but I didn't have the clip before. I said I was going to get the clip. L. Franken on federal crime. I, if both Franken's questions interesting, but then the guy kind of gave him a shut up slave. Well, you know, we're thinking about it. We can't do this. We can't do that. Answer. This is at a, a government hearing on cyber crime. Senator Franken. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Baker, I want to ask you a question to follow up uh, on a question from uh, Chairman Leahy. Uh, in, in recent cases, the Department of Justice has uh, actually argued that the violation of a website's term of service or an employer's compu- uh, computer use policy can constitute a federal crime under the uh, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. 
In other words, under this interpretation of the statute, people could conceivably be guilty of a federal crime for checking their Gmail or their weather if their employer's computer policy prohibits them from using their computers for personal reason. Two federal judges have found this reading of the statute to be unconstitutional because people don't read those policies, and when they do, they can be, as you know, long and complex and full of fine print. Don't you think it would be worthwhile to somehow address the concerns of those federal judges in updating this statute? So as I said earlier, Senator, uh, thank you for that question. As I said earlier, we're happy to work with folks to address these kinds of concerns. I think that the challenge is to address those concerns and at the same time not create a significant loophole that would allow somebody, for example, who worked at the Social Security Administration, the IRS, the U.S. Passport Office, or a bank to take information in violation Uh of their employer's policies and misuse it for some purpose, either to spy on somebody that they they know or to take information and and pass it to others to steal, uh, you know, actually steal money. So I think that this insider case where somebody violates the rules of their employer in this using a computer uh, is a very challenging thing to address and at the same time kind of, at the same time address the types of concerns that, that you suggest. The difficulty is that you know, so what is it, what is he saying? He's saying, screw it. We're keeping it in the way it is. And if you do something, we want to rush you for a federal crime because you checked your email. Then that's what we're going to do. That's what he says. Love it. That's great. Yeah, they get tough. We need more prisoners because the labor costs are going too high. It's almost nine dollars an hour. We can get a prisoner for ten cents. Well, funny you bring this up because, uh, of course, now we know that in the past. Uh, was it the past 15 years, I think, we've gone to 3 million slaves in prison? Uh, the number's higher than that. Well, And most of them African-American, most of them... Uh, oh, yeah, well, on, that makes sense. They're on, slaves. Yes, most of them on drug charges. Uh, and now that we are starting to integrate the United States of uh, North America, or the Americas, I should say, which would be Canada, uh, America, and uh, Mexico... Uh, Canada has uh, passed a bill which puts, I mean, we need to expand. We have enough slaves here in commercial prisons. Now we're going to do it in Canada. Keep that promise. The government has rolled nine bills into one mega bill, dubbed the Safe Streets and Communities Act. It promises new mandatory minimum sentences for violent offenses and offenses against children. Stiffer penalties for organized drug crime and human trafficking. No more house arrest and no more pardons for violent crimes. Adult sentences for violent young offenders and longer maximum sentences. For growing marijuana, for example, the maximum doubles from seven years to 14. Combined, these measures will strengthen our justice and immigration systems and will have a significant and positive impact on our ability to keep our citizens safe. But the opposition calls it a waste of money. Their ideological bent that punishment will deter crime flies in the face of absolutely all the evidence. For us to be spending additional hundreds of millions of dollars in sending kids to jail because they've got six marijuana plants in their house. I mean, this is, this is truly stupid. It's great! Experts on the prison system also objected, saying crime has been dropping for 20 years and that prisons are overcrowded already. The correction system in Canada is already in crisis. Provincial, territorial, and parts of the federal system 
uh, are so crowded that they may well be violating Section 12 charter protections against cruel and unusual punishment. The government says it will build more prison cells, but its critics say that won't make Canadians safer, just poorer. We're talking about many, many tens of billions of dollars. I, I don't know how much it is. I think the government has a fiduciary obligation to you, to me, to all Canadians to disclose exactly what that is. But the government declines to put a price on its plan. Instead, it argues that letting criminals roam free costs even more. <laughs> Yay! It's so about we, time uh, the Canadians get some of our medicine. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it, I find it interesting, the coincidence that crime's dropping, but prison population's increasing, so there's crowding. How yeah, does that work? Well, you get six marijuana plants, no, you go yeah, to jail exactly, for four, 14 years. Crime. 14 years. Dream up more crime, you know, you make more laws that make everything a crime, make checking your email potentially crime, a crime. So crime, you could, crime. You could bust everybody. Okay, there's two point three million people incarcerated at the moment, but seven point two million uh, adults under correctional supervision, in other words, in the probation, parole or prison, uh, about three point one percent of adults in the U.S., are in jail, which is the highest per capita in the world, I might add, and the most in total. And uh, 70 percent of them are non-white. So, um, right. How awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 there's, and there's a prison labor system, which has been developed over the last decade or two, where they basically compete with private enterprise. This is Making great. stuff. This Furniture is, is yeah. one of the big ones. Yeah. This is great. We're doing good. By the way, it's probably going to be a good place to be in prison. Well, I think when the people can't get work, yeah. they at least can get a 10 cent an hour job, you know, which is, again, showing that the Republicans are right that minimum wage is killing the private industry. <laughs> All right. I got to get rid of minimum wage and the prison population will just evaporate. Yeah. Let me uh, skip around uh, Gitmo Nation. A couple of things I need to talk about. First of all, Gitmo Nation Lowlands. Now, John, uh, I'm linking to this in the show notes, 341.nashownotes.com. A video, uh, which it's, and now that I haven't lived there for a long time, the absurdity of it all kind of hit me, and I really scoured the interwebs to find the true information, and it's not being reported, of course, in the Dutch press. Um, on the third Tuesday of every year, they, uh, the finance minister, which uh, in this current administration is a former ICT guy who was brought in uh, initially to fix the uh, computer system. So basically the Vivek Kundra of the Netherlands all of a sudden became the finance minister or secretary of their treasury. Uh, presents in a, in a briefcase to the queen the budget known as the Miljoenennota. Uh, uh, which should be a milliarden nota, because it means millions instead of billions. And they dubbed this Princiusdag, known as Prince Day. So there's all these memes in there. And the Queen of the Netherlands and the Prince and his smoking hot Argentinian wife, who is, oh man, a milf and a half, Maxima, um, get in the golden chariot, <laughs> which is made of real gold, and they trot along the streets, chip, clippity clop, clippity clop, and uh, and then the queen uh, does her annual address, which of course I can't play because it's all in Dutch. And I so I go to the official website, and the, and they have a video, and they have the full text of what she said, but that's not what the video shows. No, because we don't want you to get smart. The video shows 
everyone waving and flags and everyone. Oh, and there's the queen in her golden chariot made of pure gold. And they're all waving. By the way, uh, panels on this uh, on this chariot have uh, slaves making offers to the queen depicted on it. Yeah, it's great. And then she goes, my, my hello, subjects of the lowlands. We are facing dire economic times. We will have to uh, cut back. Since we are all living longer, we will have to work longer. And then they cut out the whole middle part and go straight to, so we will invest in education for the children of the lowlands. And then it's back to clippity-clop, clippity-clop. And they're all there at the palace waving to the slaves down below. And the absurdity of this, as I read through what's actually happening. So um, uh, retirement age, up. And then they come out with a, uh, right in the... In the documentation, which of course I can read because I read Dutch, they did a uh, a study with TNS Nipo, which sounds really official, TNS NIPO, which is owned by WPP, the advertising and marketing firm. So essentially, they bought a survey, and it turns out that uh, the Dutch people, according to the survey, absolutely think it's a great idea to reduce. Your mortgage uh, deduction, right now it's at 50%. You can deduct 50% of your mortgage from your taxes. They think, uh, an, an overwhelming majority of people think it's it would be perfectly okay to reduce that to 40 or 30%. Hold on a second. Who in their right mind would think this is a great idea if they're actually getting this deduction? Oh, I have an idea. Tax me more. Does it make sense to anybody? course not it's such a pr job but they do it so well with the golden chariot and everyone's like feeling good and we love our queen clippity clop clippity clop with her golden chariot with the slaves depicted on the side and you 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 and the next day i'm like where is all the news that you know that you're gonna get screwed with more taxes and it's you know you you, you, nothing pictures of the queen clippity clop clippity clop well, I don't see that our news is that much better. No, but I, I, I do, we do have a lot of people who uh, listen and support the show from the Netherlands, so that's kind of important. Now, continuing with Europe. So uh, today the markets, once again, are in turmoil. I believe uh, the, uh, the <laughs> if you were to buy a Greek bond, the current rate of return is what now, 125%? <laughs> is that what long-term it? bond is a little risky. But it's 125% return. I, I know it was 80% last time I looked. I didn't know it was that gone It went up high. to 125%. So now we are in uh, economic... You're this is basically putting... This is basically taking your investment money and putting it on red. Yeah, yeah right. Red, uh, definitely red, not black. Uh, but of course, what is now... What has been planned for a long, long time, since 1956, is to consolidate the political power. And uh, Steck, actually, one of our legal listeners, uh, pointed out uh, that the term European economic governance is the same as EEG, which uh, is synonymous to uh, brainwave scanning and brain manipulation. I thought that was kind of interesting. He, he saw that EEG, economic European economic governance. But here are uh, some quotes uh, to tell you, because they, they're just coming out and saying it. 
This is from Luxembourg Finance Minister Frieden. It's become, it's become obvious that this base, that this has been the plan all along. If you have a currency union, you certainly also need more elements of a political and of economic union. That was clear from the outset when we started this project some 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Then we have uh, former German Chancellor Ger- Gerhard Schröder. The current crisis makes it relentlessly clear we cannot have a common currency zone without a common fiscal, economic, and social policy. We will have to give up national sovereignty. <laughs> From the European Commission, we should make a government which would be supervised by the European Parliament, and that means a United States of Europe. Now, you can go back in our show notes and see that we have consistently called Europe the United States of Europe. Now let's, uh, the new IMF chief, Christine Lagarde, the IMF who today just came out and said, or yesterday, the entire world is on the brink of a financial collapse. This is the IMF. Yeah. Uh, She warned that developed economies have entered into, quote, a new dangerous new phase because of a vicious cycle of weak economic growth and feeble political leadership. Without collective bold action... There's a real risk that the major economies slip back instead of moving forward. Incidentally, debt it was not mentioned. Then we have George Soros. Now here's the guy I always got to watch. Soros warned, uh, Even if a catastrophe can be avoided, one thing is certain. The pressure to reduce deficits will push the Eurozone into prolonged recession. This will have incalculable political consequences, leaving no room for discussion. There is no (coughs) alternative but to give birth to the missing ingredient, a European treasury with the power to tax and therefore (coughs) to borrow. That is what the elites are saying and what is going to happen. And it's going to happen in the next month. In the next month, this is going to, we're seeing unbelievable history unfolding in front of our very eyes. You know, the sooner they do it, the sooner the, uh, the, the, it'll trigger the cascade effect resulting in the civil war that we've been predicting also, uh, which is going to create, uh, World War III. Who do you think is going to fight who first, though? That's my well, question. It's always going to be the Germans and the French. That's never been resolved. This is the one issue that just always cracks me up. The Germans and the French fought, you know, during the Napoleonic Wars and never never resolved. They fought in World War One. It was never resolved. They fought in World War Two. It was never resolved. There's still a Germany and there's still a France. Obviously, these, these two countries cannot coexist. Hmm. Who will win? We, wait a minute. <laughs> we will. The <laughs> USA, of course, we, we, with our drones. We, <laughs> we're number one. Cool. With our drones. <laughs> I got to give you an in the morning. In the morning. That's good. Yeah. Germany and France at war. Yeah, that's probably good. That's probably. Yeah, it's going to happen. But will it be a traditional war? Will it will it be ground troops? Well, that's or? the question. Because every war, these wars of like the first world war. I mean, the, the Napoleonic Wars were one sort of war. And then you had the trench warfare, which was a disaster in World War One. Then you had modern warfare, me- mechanized warfare in World War Two. 
Now, I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, who's got the, the advantage in a, in a fight? And what kind of a fight would it be? You can't nuke each other. No. So that, that's that not going to be. Suck, you, can, you, know. you can cyber each other. Or cyber. Maybe you can, yeah. Cyber. You go economic and try to break the other's back. <laughs> can you, just see, you know, cyber is synonymous with cyber sex. I don't think they're going to cyber each other. I can see. No one wants a cyber Merkel. Let's be honest. And so they could be any. We don't know. I mean, we don't have no. No idea that, that this has entered a new unknown area. I mean, this has always been the case with warfare historically. You know, somebody dreams up some new <laughs> new weapon or some new crazy thing, and then, then they take over. Uh, no <laughs> it's the Bunga Bunga Showdown. Okay. It's going to be great to cover, though. It's going to be great to duck and cover. <laughs> um, just a quick uh, callback to the previous show. Um, I did some research since I said I would. Apparently, uh, you know, Rick Santorum, of course, if you Google Rick Santorum, you come up with the first hit is the frothy mix uh, as what a Santorum is. Rick Santorum uh, apparently did contact Google about his Google problem. Well, good, because they should have. He says, I suspect if something was up there like about Joe Biden, they'd get rid of it. If you're a responsible business, you don't let things like that happen, but... uh, Google just said, screw you, we're not changing anything. You know, Google does take action against Google washing. I don't understand what the deal is here. The problem with Santorum is he's such a weenie. He should be making nothing but if, you know, he's embarrassed to tell the public that this is there, even though everybody knows. He should just make it the biggest fuss. And and if I was him, I would demand a congressional hearing on this and take Google right in front of Congress and say, look, you've you've killed these things before in the past. Why aren't you killing this? What are you doing? What political agenda are you promoting? And threaten Google and Google would back off and that thing would disappear. But he hasn't got the guts to do it. I want to see that because it would be great to have someone actually on C-SPAN in Congress say, look, frothy mix. <laughs> That's the reason he won't do it. He's like he's, he's kind of cornered himself. He's too wimpy to take it on head on. So they they're frothy just laughing. Everyone Google's eh. frothy. Fro- that should be on ABC, NBC, CBS. Frothy Mick should be allowed. All right, uh, something you but will not before you play. I, before you play out, I got the one life of a cow. You have to play just as a little piece of education. We have no educational stuff agriculturally that needs to be on the show. And this is the life of the cow clip. Left to nature, a cow produces about ten pounds of milk per day, which is what it takes to meet the needs of her calf. Over the years, we have tinkered with her biology, and she now produces about 100 pounds of milk per day. This high productivity is good for business, but maybe not so good for the cow. The normal lifespan of a cow could be up to about 20 years, but under the strain of high milk yields, she wears out in just a few years. She is then sent to slaughter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like the slaves yeah yeah milk him, milk, milk to death and get, get rid of get him. rid of them and because of the actions of these persons who commit threaten to commit or support terrorism continue to pose an unusual extraordinary threat to national security foreign policy and the economy of the united states the national emergency declared on september 23rd 2001 and the measures adopted the date to deal with that emergency must continue in effect beyond September 23rd, 2001. Therefore, in accordance with Section 202D of the National Emergencies Act, I am continuing for one year. Uh, the national emergency with respect uh, to persons who commit, threaten to commit, or support terrorism. 
So we uh, continue our state of emergency for another year by Executive Order 13224, uh, declared today by Barack Obama. Well, one three two two four. Well, I guess that kind of flies in the face of what the progressive expected from this guy when they got him elected. Hope and change. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and we could go on for hours. Unfortunately, no one has that kind of patience. <laughs> no, I think they're already bored. Now, if you uh, are one of the... Let me see. It's a Thursday, so... 382 people uh, still left listening at this moment. If each and every one of you were to uh, go to Dvorak.org slash NA right now, and uh, if you felt this program is worth 10 bucks, which would essentially put us uh, at half minimum wage. No, way below minimum wage. Um, please consider supporting our show. If every single one of you did that who has been listening live for the past two and a half hours, we would be set and I'm sure this will work out as it did on the last show, and we'll be collecting a massive 40 bucks. That's rocking. The chat room. Yeah. The chat room. All right, everybody, coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, Give My Nation West, People's Republic of Southern California. I am your muffin man. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the fog has rolled in and it's cooling off. Just like the economy. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. Madam Speaker, do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man, the Muffin Man. Yes, I know the Muffin Man, but he doesn't live on Drury Lane. Adios, mofo.